this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hey lads, big episode last week, another big episode this week I'd say, the uh, the big news is in, the reviews are in, uh, Supermarket Sweep, uh, as we talked about, the, the big story that got all that controversy last week, it's uh, it's now earned on telly, I saw The Guardian gave it uh, two stars and referred to it as oh. stiff as a potato, frozen potato waffle, uh, Joe, uh, have you seen it yet, what do you think of uh, as Rylan as uh, Dale Whitten's replacement? I um, unfortunately have not had a chance to watch it yet, oh, but... Was chatting about it with my mum and dad and my girlfriend yesterday, and we said, "Ah, I'll have to have a little watch on the ITV hub at some point." Or what I might do is I might have a look on the guide when I go home tonight and record a couple of episodes, just have a sneaky look. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm up for giving it another go. I love a bit of supermarket sweep back of a day. It's a game show. Is it on five days a week? Uh, I don't know. Oh, sorry. It used to be is back it? of the day. I don't know. Do you know how many times it's on during the week? I'm not sure. You know, I th- I think it is. I think it's weekly. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was okay. going to see it as Give well. Give him time. Yeah. Right. Give him time. I don't know anything about <laughs> this man other than he seems perfectly manicured beyond parody. But am I right about that? He's, I've seen him on Gogglebox as well before. Right. He's, him and his mum are kind of funny on there. Fair I'll, enough. I'll have a look and see when it's on. I'll, I'll, there are worse people in the world. Me and JP have got to go on a college trip in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I take my students to see a live TV recording every year. And uh, I was looking to see if there were any new supermarket sweeps (laughs) that were open for recordings, but unfortunately not. So instead, we've had to compromise and we're going to see Celebrity Catchphrase at Waterloo Studios two weeks today. So That's a good chance. Yeah, that should be a... Should be a good laugh, should be JP. Were you a catchphrase yep. from back in the day? I reckon if I did like a Mount Rushmore of like quiz shows, I think catchphrase would be on mine. That's like a, a big memory from being a, from a kid, uh, trying to, that it was just, just uh, that it was one of the better ones you can play at home, I'd say. Mr. Chips. Yes, Mr. Chips was the man. Do they still have Mr. Chips in the new version? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've taken students a couple of times to see it. You know what? It's great fun live. Stephen Mulhern, the new presenter, mm interesting character i don't want to get done for libel so i won't say much more but he looked wired both times i went he's probably doing similar things to what michael hayes was doing in like 1983 <laughs> i imagine that's, yeah i think that's like a rite of passage if you're going to be a quiz for your presenter you know look at barrymore look at i mean most of our most well, of our 80s 80s. i hope the swimming pool incident happened to Moern. jesus <laughs> Uh, what's your like what's your Mount Rushmore of like daytime quiz show or evening quiz shows, Joe? What's oh. like the what's the classics? Well JP was going I'll go JP go first. He seemed very excited about that. Go on, going JP. for gold, and I might well be showing my age here, but the European quiz show. Hmm. It was on BBC One during the day, five days a week. They tried to at the end of its run, um, sort of rather like the AWA filming in front of that studio in Minneapolis. They had it with just English counties. And I found myself disliking most of them. As really? I still film now, unsurprisingly. But it was just people from Europe with Henry Kelly, the Irish host, who said exactly the same things in every episode. I mean, an absolute <laughs> pro, but like a terrifying Irish robot, basically. He would present it. And you'd have these people from all around you, Europe, you know, most of them English as a second language. Like, and it was just kind of brilliant hypnotic TV because they ch- they just churned through people every day. Like a Japanese game show, the amount of people it would go through on it. And it was, yeah, incredible stuff. Very nostalgic for it. Um, I want to say it was on 
Is it After Neighbours? I don't know. I don't remember it. You two wouldn't remember it, would you? Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. I know the name. I can remember it. It felt like one of the more boring ones my mum and dad would watch, and I'd be wanting to like watch Question of Sport or The Crystal Maze or something. Ah, yeah. What's your favourite era of Question of Sport, Benno? Curiosity. See, I don't really watch much sport. I'm not like you, JP. I'm not watching the Island Under-21s anymore, so it would have been when oh. I was a kid. When I was like, when so you want to get, get in on that bandwagon Ian... while, it's, while it's kicking off. It's Ian... got to be Everton fan John Parrott's here on Question of Sport for you, had it, Benno? I like John Parrott, but that was a bit like... I loved Ian Botham. Uh, who was the opposite when Ian Botham was on it? I uh, See, I had... Uh, Hugh, I can't remember. I was always a John Parra, Ali McCoyst era man. Yeah, that was a bit, that was when I kind of fell out, and I do like Ali McCoyst, and I do. You know, I remember seeing John Parra at the game a couple of times at Goodison and being being all made up. I saw this big uh, snooker celebrity, uh, but no, that wasn't really my era, unfortunately. You have to go way back for me on that. Oh, it's Hughes Beaumont, I remember. I mean, Hughes was a bit annoying. Emlyn Hughes. Emlyn Hughes. That's as far back as I go. Yeah, I think when I started watching, David Coleman was still presenting, but then I slowly transitioned into Sue Barker, who remains there to this day. Yeah. She's done yeoman's work on that show. She's got to be pushing 20 years tenure on yeah. it. That, that's a double testimonial on a question of sport for Sue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, uh, Sue. Any other classic Big fan of the Joe? show. Were you, were you Say crypto, again, mate. And what, what's the classic for you? Were you a Krypton Factor fan? Were you a, I don't know, what else is there? Countdown, <laughs> yeah. Family Fortunes? Uh, um, oh, Family Fortunes is an absolute yeah. classic. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to, bit of Les Dennis era oh, yeah. Family Fortunes up there. Yeah. I always love like the prizes, like the cars and stuff. And then like, then they have the shots, like the family in the car at the end after they've won it. Classic. Um well, I'll tell you one I do like, I think it's quite underrated, with Bob Monkhouse on Wipeout hmm. during the oh. day on BBC One back in the day. That was well His good. film knowledge was oh, genuinely incredible. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was the first person in the UK to own a, have a home recorder. So he was the first man, well, first person in the UK to have a VHS player. <laughs> and the BBC got loads of his archives. So the, like, when they used to tape over shows uh, rather than archiving them, Monkhouse was taping them when I archived them <laughs> in the Monkhouse collection. So the BBC got those of his tapes. So apparently, like the tapes are like the early Likely Lads episodes and Steptoe and Son episodes. I've, I've heard before from the Monkhouse collection. Wow. Yeah. Archiving so, his classic sitcom was Bob. See, I already thought he was a legend, but you know that that, that kind of confirms it with him. Uh, he's like the he's the classic TV presenter, I think, for me. Him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who, who, Pro's who, pro was Bob. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, but that's how I think. Like he kind of he presented pretty much. Until, he is dead, isn't he? I'm, I was trying to remember if he's. Yeah, he, he died a few years ago. Yeah, Roy Walker it. from Catchphrase isn't a classic. Uh, oh, Des yeah. O'Connor I always liked. Uh not a big fan of him. Oh, he, blank, is he blank? Uh, Lily Savage era. That's that's uh, the, that's the blank, be, blank I remember. Bruce yeah, Brucey was all right. I remember when uh, he left oh, the Generation shit. game and Davidson came in. But I used to get um. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth and Jimmy Hill, Jimmy Hill mixed up all the time as a kid. They got similar chins and. Can you see what I mean? Similar old, size, BBC. Old memories, mustaches. Play your cards right is a classic. I had that as a board game as well. That was pure luck. Do you know there's a supermarket sweet board game? Really? Because I was talking to some of the students about it last week. One of them told me that his parents had a supermarket sweep board game. So I'm trying to get him to track it down to me. He reckons it's in his loft. So he's going to get up there and have a look. Oh, oh get in. Yeah. So I'm hoping I, find, I, hoping I get to play a game of supermarket sweep at some point <laughs> myself. Maybe we could live stream it on the podcast. You know, people could listen to us, uh, listen to us have a game. Uh, that could be fun. 
Perhaps me and JP should apply to go on Supermarket Sweep as a team together. <laughs> I'm trying to like... Up rep- for that. I-, I could imagine you doing that. I could imagine you being the couple on there and doing well. Uh, you, I think I could see you going for the big prize as well, going for those big money, you know, TV yeah. items, etc. Not wasting your time in the stupid aisles. I think you'd both do well. I'd be fucking the place. <laughs> I'd be like, like honestly, it would just be like pure rally driving around there, smashing in the stuff as well. <laughs> we get two shits. Well, we spend enough time in supermarkets together. It probably work. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- and we know our way around that big Tesco's up there, don't we? Yeah, very t- much so. I'm a big fan of a big Tesco, but I was just trying to think. I was trying to bring it back onto wrestling. I was thinking it was Generation Game, but I, I was trying to remember. Like I remember watching in the '90s. I think it was on that where there was like a a kid went on it, and part of like the challenge that he did was that he had to name WWF matches that had happened based on like three. I think it was like three second clips. So they played three second clips of say LOD versus Demolition. And then he'd have to say what the match was and where it was. Do you ever remember any memory of that? I feel like it was a generation game, but I remember watching it and thinking, I could do better than this fucking kid. Is it that um, there's a clip I've seen on YouTube before? I don't remember it happened at the time, but that guy presented, Matthew Kelly presented stars in their eyes. Is presenting some ITV show. And You Bet, that was great. Yeah, I think it's You Bet in the early 90s. And British Bulldogs on there. And he comes on and gives some kids some prize. And Matthew Kelly just refers to him as a British. Oh, you know what? That, that's Davy or Bulldog. That I wonder right. if it's that. Yeah, because it was like you could, the, the concept was you could go on and you could you had to bet on whether someone could do it or not. I think that sounds right because I think that was the challenge, like how many matches he could name. And I remember sitting there as like a 10-year-old kid thinking, ah, I could name all of these matches. And the lad doing it was was not the best. Maybe he's a listener. Maybe he's out there. Maybe him and um British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not, guy. The, the two uh, legends have been, of my childhood are out there. Maybe the, maybe the Grapple Spotlight listeners. I'll I tell you what, like, needs needs to get on it then again. We need to bring you bet back. Mm. That was awesome. Like, I don't know if you know, I've seen the four-hour Italian version of, of you bet. Four hours? <laughs> yeah. Why is there a Have you seen Italian, Italian television version? before? I've seen no. punditry. I've just seen some of the comments some of the pundits made today over yeah. there about Lukaku. Jesus. I won't Christ. say it. Just go and have a look. Yeah, it's oh, genuinely shocking. But this version is called Scomichamo Che. I think it is. Okay. <laughs> Why have you watched it? And it's it's hosted by a bloke called Fabrizio Fritzi. And right. it's like, at the time, he's, he's dead now. The show itself, I know, is still Do you follow on. Fabrizio Fritzi's career, did you? I used to ask about him occasionally to my mates who live over there and their parents who watch every Saturday night. Watching Italian TV, there's TV, Benno, and there's Italian telly. Italian telly is just... To say it's not woke is a fucking understatement. Like, at that point in time as well, it would have been like sort of mid-90s. It had like... Imagine you bet, but with strippers. Mm. That's, That's what was on TV. Sounds good. And it was like... Everything they were doing, like there was uh, a woman who was like sort of uh, the challenge was and she had to undress and it was something to do with this guy who was trying to shoot targets blindfolded. And she had to undress? Yeah, like be missed the target. Because I remember no, like hit the target. I remember like the models blinds. and that on the Price is Right and Play Your Cards. Oh right. no, this was just, this was just like raw exploitation. Oh. Probably like Berlusconi telly. Probably would have been him at the time. I'm trying to wonder what Italian, anyway, Italian funhouse would be like. It'd be rude. And yeah. deeply yeah, that's what it'd be. Uh, probably. So the twins wouldn't just be posing as pretty twins. They'd be... No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it, what it would be. It's got dark quickly. Italian Sorry Pat that. Sharp. 
have, you, have you got an Italian stuff folder on your Google Drive, JP? That's what I want to know. I I haven't, oh. but it was like, like two of my oldest friends, their parents are Italian. So I just like grew up around this and loving Serie A as well. And they had they could watch live games as well before mm. it was on Channel Four. Oh. It was or some highlights programs. Like it was, and then Gazetta obviously came along and was amazing in its own right. Oh, remember, it was on when it first started on Channel Four when Gaza was out there. So good. I remember thinking it was called Gazetta because Gaza was out there. That was my my childlike uh, impression of that. <laughs> can I can I put a shout out there for that? Joe's mentioned his Xbox for the last few weeks. <laughs> I mean, I like to put a shout out for is a documentary I can't find. It's about Paul Gascoigne in his time in China. He's got one day at a time. I cannot find this for love and money. And if anyone knows, we can cop, possibly get a copy. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, he's not in a good way, it's Paul. But in this, you, you want to see it. It's it's him in the world's second most polluted city. His management <laughs> style, which is to say, it's not complicated. And <laughs> and in China. And in China. As Gaz is Chinese. Yeah, and all he can do, like bring, Mandarin. Mention, you haven't mentioned Big Break yet. But um, playing a lot of snooker and drinking rice wine with Jimmy Five Bellies until he based Jimmy Five Bellies just downs tools and goes, fuck it, I'm bored, and goes home. It's an incredible documentary, and I can't yeah. it. I'm, I was slightly convinced for a long time I was dreaming this. This comes up weekly. I've heard about this weekly for the past, <laughs> well, the past few years. And JP had one of our ex-students in a hunt for this as well at one point, and he couldn't track it down either. And he was a whiz when it came to this stuff. Wow. So if anyone can do, please get in contact. <laughs> it sounds so desperate for it, but it, it sounds great. I mean, I really am. football needs more gazes, I would say. Modern, modern wrestling needs more gazes, I would say. It would be a better place. Bat, mate, we were watching, before we started this, <clears throat> me and JP had a trip down all Japan early 90s. We were watching highlights of World Tag League 1991. We watched uh, two Williams and Gordy matches, one against Hansel and Spivey. Fucking awesome. We were watching Williams and Gordy against Misawa and Kawada from the 91 uh, Real World Tag League final as well. Just proper stuff, like proper, proper stuff. Watching it, watching the execution, watching the way they're laying it in, the working style, the atmosphere, uh, just the presentation. The whole thing. I'm thinking, this ain't what wrestling is anymore. Like, I don't think I like what wrestling is anymore when I'm watching this. I much, much prefer what it was back. That's like a Brexit here, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Everything was better back in our day, but, Joe. Mate, streets were paved with gold. It, uh, think about it this way. Williams and Gordy coming out to that kick-ass kiss song, which I know uh, f- uh, my favourite scouser and f- and regular Matty Edwards probably loves because I know he's a big kiss fan. And I should speak to Chris Jericho about it. But Williams and Gordy are coming out to this kick-ass kiss song, and I'm thinking we got Williams and Gordy here, and now we got Spike Trevay. <laughs> How Spike- far we fallen? Spike Trevay, who has blocked me on Twitter, Joe. It's unbelievable. Really. What a shit house. There we go. Would, would Terry, imagine Terry Gordy on Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's it. I don't think he'd know how to log in. No. It'd be fun seeing him work out oh. how I work Twitter. All he needs to do is throw a few clotheslines and a few lumps, a few forearms. We were saying we were watching the um, Spivey and Hansen against Gordy and uh, Williams match. It was like mm. Barry and Terry from from uh, Brookside against Phil and Grant. That's what it was in terms yeah. of like cross dream match. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
was gonna say we're going unfortunately we're, yeah should we start a retro podcast should we just get going on with it? like i did um oh. like it's not even that retro but i did wh park's uh lager series he's doing for christmas mm-hmm. i watched um he's doing like a series and i'm reviewing matches uh of ligers in the run of to his retirement and i did his uh typical for me my choice was his brian danielson match from ring of honor in 2004 and it was like going back to it like a, a time capsule of like even that like you know you were mentioning last week joe about like the difference in like generational change in, in wrestling fans that felt like a completely different world watching that like recognizing the, the certain people in the crowd the, the kind of the way the match was worked, the the difference in expectation, the just the entire the different way it was shot. It was such a like a that are like a a, a mind blowing thing to look at that and go, that's only fifteen years ago, and it looks like a completely different universe compared to what we've got now. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I sound like a Brexit here, but as much as I love modern New Japan, I do do love it uh when we were watching this all japan stuff i was like really excited mm. and like just uh, we were yeah. weren't we we, were, like, I could have easily so gone into we, we weren't it. recording tonight we just easily could have just sat there watching it all yeah. evening it was you could watch like great. two hours mm. highlights of like the 91 tournaments and like you were saying there about in terms of liger and um and danielson mm. like i imagine for you in particular that just Brought you back to a very much a certain time and place. Oh, it brought me back to meeting Joe. Like I was on the, uh, did he? I was on the ROH. Oh. For, I went on the ROH forums on uh, archive.org. Was searching old posts. Unfortunately, I didn't see you know him anywhere, Joe. But saw a couple of mine about the uh, the old bus trip that I did and different uh, different. Uh, I don't know, typical <laughs> opinions of the the ROH board. Everyone's ripping them off. Everyone's against ROH, and it's all about us. And I was looking at it going. You know, the, you know, the fans that we criticised like today, was I like them? Was I the same? And I was reading it going, ah, we were similar, but it was very different. Uh, yeah, it was a different world back then. And yeah, it was bringing back all kinds of nostalgic memories, not just uh, meeting Joe, meeting Jamesy uh, as a result of that message board and uh, that little period. The, the bus trip, which we really want to know the, some of the details, but you'll never be able to say on air. <laughs> well, all I say is a former WWF wrestler dropped his pants, and that's that's pretty much. Uh, we'll go into we'll do a, we'll do a podcast that's J- J- Joe. I reckon at some point we need to do like a proper like me, you, Jamesy, go back, and we'll talk about like the those uh, those classic ROH shows in Liverpool. You've uh, you've pitched it before. Well up for that. Imagine the nostalgia that can come pouring out. You coming coming to my house in two thousand and six, and like, we'll come full circle that we uh, oh. you came back this year. You now podcast. We all podcast together. I podcast with Jamesy as well. Uh, that's it. What an influence on our lives that period had. Oh yeah, mate. I'm I'm well up for reminisced on that. I don't want to do a, maybe a retro podcast every week. So I don't want to get stuck in nostalgia land because that's a dangerous game, mm. as fifty two percent will tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm well up for doing a couple of them definitely. And I think uh, Jamesy would be a great addition to the party again because he was awesome last time we had him on. Oh, can we do a TNA one then around the same time? No, no, fuck off. On your own, mate. Solo. <laughs> the AAA and the TNA podcast will be on uh, on JP's page. The exclusive JP Irish stuff Patreon tier. Maybe you can get it there. Or, or is Jeff Jarrett podcast? It'll be a Jeff Jarrett Troy Parrot podcast. Is exactly what that'll turn into. Have I told you my Jeff Jarrett podcast idea? I don't know whether to say it on air or not. Like Jeff Jarrett around the world. Where, where say we... it's copyrighted as soon as you say it. Yeah, yeah. No, no one steal it. But my idea is you follow Jeff Jarrett around in his entire career and you can what, review any random show from the history of wrestling. The caveat is Jeff Jarrett has to be on it. 
And think of think of the like the the length you could you could cover. Impact, obviously, global force, obviously, but WWE, <laughs> WCW, TNA, AAA, all kinds of eighties stuff. USWA, archives, yeah, USWA, Memphis, Memphis New Japan, New Japan, you could New Japan. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett around happens. the world, I think, is a, is is a podcast idea that it's very grapple. Hopefully, no one steals it. It's it's very us. This is very much the Jeff Jarrett supporting podcast, and you know, if he took over the book for like Raw or SmackDown, could that convince any of us to to give it a chance? No, nah, no. <laughs> I, I really hope Jeff Jarrett turns up as celebrity catchphrase in two weeks. That'd be good. Yeah, that, that that I'd watch, hundred um, percent. But anyway, well, <laughs> have we been following Tranmere this year? You might come over if they've picked up form. Well, have they got any Island under twenty ones players? Because that's been your stuff following them, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a good classical Jared. If if they do, and then Jarrett comes over to support them, JP, you've got to go to the game. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I don't know any part of Birkenhead, but I'll certainly go around Birkenhead with him. JP's <laughs> saving money, I reckon, now to go and watch the Island under twenty ones play in the next major tournament. He'll be trying to get them to the World Cup final in 2026. That'll be the uh, the real test. Is that and the ambition? Is it effectively when they turn into Spain from a, when they won the Euros Euro 2024, Benno, and the World Cup? And I know you've pointed to the fantasy league stat, and that means nothing. Sorry, like, sorry. You, what, what's this in fantasy league, JP? Your uh, your man with his zero points. It's not the point. It's what I'm doing is I'm showing faith is more than anything else, and it's the bench. Like and he'll get in that side. You watch. They've got Carabao game, Carabao Cup game coming up, and I tell you, we get Troy Parrott on there. He scored two amazing goals against Sweden under twenty ones. Who you know, second seeds in the group. They've got Italy away next. I reckon they can do the job. And at that point, win the Euros. Ireland qualify anyway. Get things together. World Cup. All right, I'd be looking last sixteen at least for that, win Euro 2024, go to the World Cup in 2026 and win that. So you're looking for the last 16 in Qatar, is what you're saying? I think the heat would be a struggle, but I think they could certainly get out of the group stage. That's how confident I am about this. I'm sticking with it. You watch. <laughs> you hear the here first. And on the ground floor with this, there'd be money to be made. But, you know. <laughs> uh, keep a... Uh... Keep tuned, and we can uh, we can check up on this JP as we uh, as we go over the next. I doubt of many years are interested, but they, I doubt many are interested. But they're going to hear about this regardless. <sighs> right? Shall we talk uh, <laughs> some wrestling type stuff? Yes. Um, yeah, let's get into it. And I mean, actually, to be honest, we're not really start with wrestling type stuff. I did want to mention the the fallout from our podcast last week. It wasn't the shit show I expected. I think overall positive. We got some good feedback. Good. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of you know a couple of counterpoints, but you know lots of general broad strokes uh, agreements. I think with what we were saying uh, about this being about the Aaron Wild uh, referee Rev Pro uh, incident with Josh Bodum and uh, and Shah Samuels, and yeah, we did want to just check in uh, just to you know to acknowledge that that positive feedback and and feedback in mm. general, even when it was negative, it did it was appreciated. And maybe check back in another story with a with a week gone now. Um, there've been a couple of podcasts that have come out in the week, Voices of Wrestling. 
questions. Uh, Joe Lanza went into detail on it. I thought it was a very good listen. Will Cooling's uh, podcast on PW Torch uh, I listened to today, and he went into it on detail. A couple of maybe minor different takes to, to what we put out there, but generally, again, broad strokes agreement with those those guys said. And today, right before we were about to record uh, a podcast, or I think you can describe it as a podcast. These kids and their and their YouTube. Uh, there's a there's a YouTube podcast that's gone up, the Ace Cast. Uh, an interview with with Aaron Wilde uh, went up about two hours before we were due to record, or at least that's when it was brought to my attention. And we've all had the chance to listen to it. And I did want to just acknowledge a couple of things that uh, Aaron Wilde, as the uh, the main uh, person in this story, uh, has put out there, maybe a bit more on on his side. And I want to go through a little bit of uh, the note, the cliff notes of that uh, interview. It's a long interview. He kind of gets into detail on it about an hour in, an hour and ten minutes in. But generally, like... He seemed to, uh, the host kind of put, talks about the the differences between the Shah incident and the Josh Bodum incident, which we kind of got into last week. And I think our broad strokes thought was that the Shah deal was very different in that, you know, he was trying to body slam uh, the referee and make a uh, kind of cover up for a botch. And, and Josh Bodum's kind of was more of a, just a, an attack really more than anything uh, with his clubbing forearms and, you know, uh, it, Unfortunately, there wasn't really a huge response to that from from Aaron Wilde, unless, although he did seem to agree with the the interviewer kind of saying that he did mention that he told the promotion uh, when he got to he told the promotion he didn't say Andy Quilden's name directly, but he did say that he'd spoken to them and that he didn't feel comfortable. I think he said on the Sunday refereeing matches with with Shah and Bodum. He didn't go into detail on why he what reason he gave them for not wanting to do that, but that does. Then maybe shed some light on whether he'd spoken to the promotion before. He was disputing the claim that that he hadn't. He also disputed that you know that he didn't believe them when they said they weren't aware of it or didn't or hadn't seen it. Uh, he also you know went into some of you know the company's reaction to it and the punishment. He mentioned that he was involved in talking to again. He mentions the promotion. I can only surmise Andy Quilden, but was just was consulted on you know the punishment for the two of the wrestlers, and he says. In general, I think he he was quite angry coming out of the incident, and initially he would have been happy if neither of them ever wrestled again. But he seemed I don't know whether whether your guys' take would be different, but he seemed generally happy with the with the punishment that the Bodum got, and maybe I don't know with the Shah stuff, he he seemed a bit more on the fence. He was he outright said he didn't really know whether the the Shah incident with the body slam was uh, was malicious in, in his words. He didn't see it as consensual, which was kind of one of my big takes. Uh, you know that that a wrestler can can call a spot on the fly, but he didn't. In his words, it wasn't wasn't consensual. Uh, he did agree mm. though that not every minute of a match is laid out uh, ahead of time, and and spots do get called. But in his words, yeah, he he sees he saw it as liberties being taken that that shouldn't have been. Uh, and he also went into you know a lot on his. Uh, he, we, don't, we still don't know detail on on his injury or exactly where the shoulder injury happened, which I think is an important note that maybe I mm. could have been pressed in the interview. But he does mention. That, you know, he can't lie down for long periods because of issues with his shoulder and neck. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the Cliff Notes version. There's a couple of other notes I'll I'll go into in a minute, but yeah, I don't know who wants to go first. But what did you what did you make of that? And have, have your thoughts uh, changed at all in the uh, in the week since uh, our discussion last week? Kind of in the word in my mind. No, I don't really think anything necessarily has changed in terms of what we. have not saying we as a group because we're not like a hive mind but effectively it's a case where 
it's much more, it's much less cut and dried than it is with Shah than it is with Bodum. Hmm. And that's ultimately the outcome of it. Bodum's not with the promotion anymore. Effectively, now he's been blackballed from the industry. People don't trust him enough, regardless of how much ability he might have. He's just simply too much of a liability to get into. So in that respect, is it a case where just things move on? Mm. Is that going to be what happens from here? And I probably suspect that's not going to be the case. There's going to be more more fallout from this. Yeah, it seems to be hanging around, really, doesn't it? Well, mm. the summer scissor VOD isn't out, and I think that's the fucking problem here. Yeah, I yeah. Think people... You can't see it. Yeah, people aren't going to forget it until it's out, and then when it's out, it's going to create, whether they cut it out, whether it's in there, it's going to create another controversy, uh, and it's going to drag out a little bit longer as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... it's it, I, like I said last week, I think this is a real generational issue. One of the things that I honestly think, and they made the point in the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast as well, Oh, I think if you're a wrestler from a previous generation, like a Shah Samuels, and you're in there, the young res, uh, young referee who's not refereed one of your matches before, you don't really know him very well, I would really lack trust in that referee after this incident. Um, and I completely get that because, in my opinion, wrestling's a team effort. And when you're in there as a referee and you're taught to bump, you should, in my opinion, be prepared that... In a situation, you may have to take a bump. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't be a back bump. Could be a punch. Could be a, I don't know, a worked headbutt or something potentially where you protect the guy. But at the same time, I think to think that you're in such a privileged position where you shouldn't have to take anything like that when you are involved in an incident. Yeah, it may not be his fault. Maybe Bodum's fault. Mm. I'd need to see that free count again. Don't know. But at the same time, I think there's a real lot of individualism going on here on the referees' part. Um, and I've, I really don't like the way that Shah Samuels has still been punished and condemned for this. And I think that a lot of people have come round to realising that, yeah, Shah was probably in the right to do it. Maybe he could have gone a different way about it. And maybe he's going to learn from it because there's a generational change that has occurred. But generational change, I usually think, is a good thing. There are certain generational changes going in the world right now that I strongly disagree with. I won't go into them. Um, but this is one in wrestling that I do disagree with mm. um, because I think that it's going to make the whole the whole industry more sanitised. It's just another move to make it more sanitised. And, yeah, I understand that the referee is a victim and I think that the Bodum stuff is absolutely reprehensible and there's yeah. no defending it, as we said last week. And it was a common assault. Um, but yeah, I think the Shah stuff and Shah still being made to sort of, I don't know, to come across as if he's a guilty party here is something I'm not too comfortable with. It's the false equivalency. Absolutely. That's, which that's is, that, which, a nail on the head, yeah. Which is the issue, isn't it? It's yeah. the one that the Shah Samuels incident, the Josh Bodum incident are one in the, are the same mm. and they're not the same. And it's never one of these cases where, like, assault is assault. There are degrees of of assault. There are minimum and maximum sentences and penalties as a result of it. One of the things that I'm, I'm wondering of this is legal action going to occur mm. as a result of this. Well, I don't think he's helping himself by doing podcasts or interviews like that, though, if he wants to take legal action, you know. That, that would be... And I can understand necessarily in the sense that he's upset 
mm. angry as sure. a victim. I don't think this is not necessarily the best route to go down. It may not be the, the route that I personally prefer, but I, I kind of imagine that if this is something that becomes a legal issue, you know, there's already a lot of stuff out there in the public domain and it does. And I don't think any of it necessarily helps. Mm. And to be honest, it should be a story in a situation, which I have to say and again, sorry to go back to it, but we're relying obviously there is footage out there, but there's kind of no response from Rev Pro at all about this. And that's, and, and I think that's part of the issue and that's going to make this thing drag out. Um, I mean, they put the statements out. I'd say that was a reasonable response. Do you mean to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the, maybe the inconsistency. But I'm talking about the VOD, since? right? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of points you raised there because, like, I mean, one, it does. I can understand if you're the victim of something like this, you're gonna be angry. And I will mention that a couple of points. Will mention on his podcast, he mentioned that like uh, obviously Shah did that mug of the week video where he called the ref the mug of the week, and Will was kind of mm. pontificating on whether that was maybe a reason why maybe the tone changed. And you know, the ref d- does mention that he in the you know Aaron Wilde does mention in the interview that he tried to he did try to deal with it in private, and it, it, he. He does mention that he did try and speak to the party. He doesn't mention the lengths he went to in there to kind of deal with it in that way before it blew up. Um, but I wondered, yeah, whether that mug of the week stuff maybe maybe was a was a catalyst too. But I mean, the other thing we'll, we'll mention that that I'm still like 100 not sure on. You both mentioned there about you know condemning Shah. There still doesn't seem to be a huge differentiation yeah on on his part between the two. And I think a big part of that is we don't really know where the injury happened. And I mentioned that last week, like yeah. Because again, Will said this on on his PW Torch podcast that like in the initial tweets from Aaron Wilde, him and his dad both seem to primarily blame Shaw. They don't really mention Bodum at all. Uh, they don't really mention other than to say that he doesn't really remember much about the instance on the outside of the ring. It did sound like most of their ire was towards Shaw, and yeah, this interview that came out today maybe contextualized it a little bit more, and it went a little bit more on the on the Bodum side of things, but. Yeah, kind of interesting that that's from their point of view. It seems that yeah, Shah is not hugely better, and yeah, I'm not sure. Again, like as we said last week, I'm not sure that I really agree with that in any great way. Now, I also think with this, I think he's received some possible bad advice um, in the way he's gone about this. Um, I, I think when you read through some of the tweets, and yeah, he was a victim. I feel sorry for him for the beating he took. He, like no doubt about it but at the same time i look back at those tweets i think about the paypal stuff mm, and i think about that. the stuff yeah that made me feel really uncomfortable like again maybe that's a generational thing i don't know how old joe lanza is but it sounds like we're of a similar sort of generation and mindset when it comes to i don't know being sort of people but also maybe thinking about wrestling as well mm. and i would just never do that and like i said last week there are there is a welfare state yes. that is in place to help people who are out of work. Well, um, you might have missed this, Joe. Should... But sorry, not to interrupt. But you might have missed this. But like on Twitter as well, like he has come out since, and although he took the donations via PayPal, he's now said that he's got a job and he's on his feet and he's okay. But he's essentially said, anyone who gave me PayPal money, I'll uh, I'll buy you a gift. Send the money back. Yeah, I wondered about that. Like I, I don't want to question someone who's a a victim. Mm. To use the strongest term possible, but that yeah, that ties into that too, doesn't it, Joe? 
Yeah, but there's being a victim, but because you're a victim of something, it doesn't make you absolutely innocent of everything that goes on around you during that time. Um, that's how I view that. And yeah, you may say, God, that, it makes you feel horrible. Like even just like thinking of it, it, it just yeah. doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Um, but the job came along pretty quickly and I'm glad and mm. fair play to the guy for getting a job so quickly. But if you're asking for handouts, like there are people out there who probably could do with a handout a lot more as well. This country. God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're able to get a job that quickly, good work. Um, fair play to you. But yeah, that didn't sit well with me at all. And I didn't like those tweets. And it, 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 I thought that the advice that he maybe received again when making those tweets, don't know. I don't know who he's been talking to. I don't know who maybe has been advising him. Mm. I think he might have been doing it off his own back. I don't know. But I suspect there's some advice that's gone on there. Yeah. And it just doesn't sit well with me. It's little things as well. You look at the... How how can I say this and come across okay? You look at the type of people that are responding to like Shah Samuel's Twitter post about it as well. Yeah. And these people who are like, you need to pay. You you've done wrong. Mm. And then the people that are commenting on Aaron Wilde's tweets as well. Mm. And they're very much a a particular type of person. And when going through Twitter accounts, there's very much a lot of victim culture going on with the type of people that are partaking in condemning Shah Samuels and um, yeah, going full on in support of Aaron Wilde and it's that area of a wrestling fan base that I strongly, strongly, strongly dislike as I said last week and they get off on being victims and victim culture is kind of all they've got and as soon as a story like this comes along they very much jump on it because it's where they can get their voice heard and it's where they can get attention on themselves. And you know what? You could say that when this sort of story comes along, this is where we jump on. But I like to think at the same time, we analyse the facts and we give a multi-layered and kind of... Mm, I like to think nuanced. Yeah, nuanced response to what it is. And we're not, we're not prepared to just jump on something and jump on someone and demand something in a kind of, as I said last week, it feels like vigilante justice sort of thing. I like to think that we actually mm. take a more liberal approach when considering mm. all of the points rather than a very illiberal and right-wing approach in our condemnation of something immediately mm. and uh, the harsh sentencing, which is what's gone on during this. And, yeah. Thatcherite stuff, though. Mm from people who would have you think based on their Twitter profiles that they're the most liberal people out there but I don't think they understand what true liberalism is in any way whatsoever mm. so there we go yeah. no that's fair that's rightly said and fairly said and yeah. I'll, never get, I'll never get bored of knocking that lot I'll <laughs> never get bored of it because I hate them because they are a major major issue not just in wrestling circles but in I don't know general circles in life in politics in other things that go on in the world right now. And often what they're talking about is a distraction from the real issues and the real discussions that should be going on. And the real bad people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to, to that point, I mean, again, you can get lost. Last week we spent an hour condemning RevPro. Yeah. Condemning Josh Bowden. You know, the stuff about the the live edit, you know, uh, the, the Andy Quilton said he hadn't seen the footage and, you know, Will mentioned that, that, okay, yeah, maybe there's a, if you watch the live edit, that's not like every camera, that's just a, a rough cut. So 
maybe you can believe Andy didn't know everything, but I think generally we kind of came to a conclusion that uh, uh, maybe there was something fishy with, with RevPro's response. So we criticised them, we criticised Bodum. If anything, I think we went we went quite far last week in, in going against Bodum, and that was another thing I saw that you know again not to not to plug Will's podcast too many times, but it was something he mentioned and he he referenced us directly. You know, in, in mm. the strongest terms last week, we were condemning Bodum, and I think we all still stand by that. But he was kind of saying, and actually it ties in a little bit with what Aaron, Aaron Wilde was kind of saying. He wasn't happy that people didn't really condemn what happened until he saw the footage, and. Will was kind of saying that, well, we didn't talk about in in these in the terms we did about Bodum until we got to see the footage because, mm-hmm. like, we us Brit Res Roundtable and Will all did podcasts on the weekend the show happened. We all referenced that Josh Bodum stiffed the referee on the outside to varying degrees, but none of mm-hmm. us were talking about Josh Bodum being blackballed from wrestling last week. Hands up, we didn't say that, did we? At any point in the podcast, no. What do you think changed in the week that made like that was kind of Will's pontificating? What what made us um people in general maybe turn on the on it on it in t- turn on its head and kind of say that Bodum should be out of wrestling and the only decision was that, that Bodum should be out of rev pro because until like the twitter storm and until the, the footage came out maybe the footage is key we mm-hmm. and many other people weren't really talking about in those terms well think about it this way wrestling is a physical contest mm. what we saw was physical it went over the line you kind of i kind of knew it went over the line at the time yeah. but i wasn't sure how far over the line it went i wasn't sure on the effects of what had happened something had happened but i wasn't overly sure on what had happened more details have come to pass during that time as well and during that time we've been able to think and process the details that have come out and that's provided us with more perspective and it's provided us with mm. different sides of a story. Therefore, over time, a more, how can I put it, again, nuanced yeah. and layered opinion may develop rather than an instant reaction. And I think instant reaction, mm. and I can be someone who instantly reacts to stuff, absolutely. JP sees me in my daily life. I can absolutely react instantly to stuff. <laughs> but with this stuff, I, I think that, like I said, Having more perspective, bit of time, more detail coming out as well, and also seeing the way that Bodum's dealt with this. Yes, Shah. Yes, Shah did a really good job with his tweets. I thought when he came out about this, and Far he from even the, of the week thing. He, yeah, but he even tried to yeah. take some, put some blame on himself to some degree, and say, "Yeah, all right, hold my hands up." Whereas Bodum has been just <laughs> his usual arrogant, yeah. childish Oops. self throughout the whole thing, and he's shown no remorse. No, we didn't even mention it last week, but like that was a big point as well. Like, because like I was talking to Will about this, like, what's the difference between, you know, if the referee's not condemning Bodum as strong as he's condemning Shaw? Like, why is why is Bodum gone from Rev Pro? And I think the big reason he's gone from Rev Pro is when he came out, and I wasn't one hundred percent aware of this when we did the podcast last week. He'd outright said that the referee had tried to take him down on the outside, the end of, and that's why he stiffed them afterwards and like you, you watch the footage and there's none of that and it, it, if anything he dobs himself in because it's clear at that point you know with Shah there's the plausible deniability of there was a body slam and he was trying to work a spot with Bodum saying that that I attacked him because he tried to take me down he's like essentially admitting yeah I attacked him for me that's a big difference as well and that's why why the punishment is so much more serious for Bodum it's the it's the lion it's all the stuff you just mentioned Joe and it's the the fact that there's no question about what his motives were even if as Lanza said and as Will said in some ways some of those the shots that he was hitting did kind of look like work stiff forearms rather than you know 
straight punches to the head. I believe there was a kick to the head in there somewhere, but even with that, because of his intent, that's the difference. Yeah, that's what it is. You start mm. to prove And we know that because of his reaction. He... Yeah, exactly. And then as soon as that point, you start to see the intent and then you see the response. And at that stage, you realise, like, with the fullness of his response, exactly why. And we were saying it tonight. It's, it, you know, for someone who had has talent as a wrestler, you know, you can't have him around. The guy's a dick. Mm. What more can he say about it? He's yeah. an absolute fucking liability. Mm. He should be hanging around the local co-op, co-op, ud up, smoking ash outside the shop, doing mm. little occasional robberies and beer runs in the shop abusing the local residents then then they can maybe send a letter to the local paper complaining about the hooligans around the local co-op and he can join and just generally be a twat around there because that's what he comes across like to me and it's a massive shame because he's got all the talent in the world but he's got no idea how to control himself he's got no idea how to take responsibility and he did assault the guy there's no doubt about that and like I've said a million times I feel sorry for the guy for being assaulted he's I don't think he's handled this in the best way possible. I understand he's emotional. I get that completely. But I think that he's fought very short term with a lot of this. And he's not thought about the kind of, I don't know, he's not thought about wrestling, maybe not being, oh, I don't know how to say it. I almost feel like, like I said earlier, there was a team aspect that was going on there. Mm. You've all got to work together to have a successful match mm. and he may have not been in the wrong, but in order for that team to get across that successful match, you have to work together and you have to change things up on the flight and you've got to be prepared to take a bump if you're in that team scenario. And yeah, I don't like the fact that he hasn't really acknowledged that mm. and does still clearly view what Shah Samuels did as an assault. And I feel sorry for him. He got, he got injured. Yeah, that does happen occasionally. Mm. Maybe it was the execution of the sound. I didn't think it was when I saw no, it back. Looks safe as ours, isn't hey. it? Yeah, it did yeah. to me as well. Mm. Odd one. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to listen to that or watch that, like I say, it's on YouTube. Acecast number 74, uh, an interview with Aaron Wilde. But yeah, I think that kind of puts a, underlines the issue unless there's a, anything else you guys want to say about it. Oh, mate, from Williams and Gordy to this shit, I tell you. <laughs> I know where I stand. Well, <laughs> well, what we can talk about, like, from an in-ring point of view related to Rev Pro, I mean, Sizzler's still not fucking out. Uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Just cut the uh... match out and put the rest of it up. Like, come on, lads. Um, yeah, that's Rev Pro in general right now. But while that's not out, there has been a Rev Pro title change. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi had a... Like, I'm not the... I don't know, right now I'm not in... This is the time of year where I feel like I'm in my New Japan off-season. They're having shows, but mm. they might as well not have any until they run up to Wrestle Kingdom as far as I'm concerned. But I did tune in for this, uh, Zack Sabre and Tanahashi, and they, they switched the belt right back. Tanahashi was the shortest reign of Rev Pro champion of all time. They had another one of their solid, you know, maybe four stars, but I'm not going to hugely remember many spots from it uh, a couple of weeks later. Match, and yeah, you know... <sighs> Weird time with Rev Pro. The like I say, the VODs aren't coming out. This is the world title. You know, we we gone from the optimism of oh, we're gonna get to see Tanahashi and maybe not in the cockpit, but we're gonna see him maybe do at least one York Hall defense and be the the Rev Pro champion for a while. They've hot shotted it back to Zach. Like, what's going on in Rev Pro right now? Moment for the house at Royal Quest, I guess. Moment pocket um, jump from Rev Pro. Really? I mean. That's- did they need to do it that way, though? Yeah. 
Odd. Did Tanahashi need to win a title. Do you think something changed? To not get a reaction. Do you think they thought they could book him and now they can't? Or do you think they just wanted a big moment? I think they wanted a moment. They didn't want a big moment. That's the only thing. Because the rematch was booked straight after. And you don't always do that in New Japan. Yeah. Like, sometimes you wait on a rematch if you're going to do one. And it was, what, two weeks later? So, so never title you might get away with that. Yeah. So, I, th- I think it was always planned. I think it was a moment for the house. There goes my Osprey Tanahashi for the British title. Wrestle Kingdom shout as well. Yeah. Zach Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom? I'd be up for that. I'll take it. Maybe that's where we're going. Maybe I, that's the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, the British, you'd like to think they'd try and get some promotion over here to get some buzz in the build up to that. I could, you'd like to think they could do that. Mm. Who would you get? The only other option. Article in the Sun or something. Well, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> Talk sport. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Talk sport work, get promotion that way. Sky Sports News, I don't know. <laughs> oh, they've got their, oh, no, well, WWE might be off Sky. Exactly. When does WWE leave Sky? I think it's January, oh. I'm pretty sure. Is it January? Ah, yeah, Will Ospreay, Sky Sports News. Yeah, I'll be up for that. Live from Japan, January 2nd. <laughs> or he's home for Christmas, pops in. I could imagine him cutting that like footballer type interview, just like lots of uh, Steven Gerrard ums and airs and just being like like there. I mean, he'd be a great talking head for, uh, for Sky Sports News. No, I think he'd be all right. I think Gerard's same interview after every single game and it's just angry, bitter interviews as Rangers manager <laughs> are dull. Whereas I think with Osprey, there's like a vulnerability to the way he's, he talks during mm. his promos. And I reckon like I reckon he'd show his real passion while he's on Sky Sports News. And also, Ger- uh, Gerard was media trained within an inch of his life, as most modern football players are. Osprey had any bloody media training. <laughs> he's going to go on and he's just going to be Will Osprey. Think about his interview he did with Dave Meltzer and Alvarez, which I loved. Mm. Um, I'm not sure many did, but I found it hilarious. I'd like to see him go on and just do that, basically, mm. and I'd be quite happy with that. I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, odd one though still. like I just uh, kind of speaks to the the mess maybe that surrounds Repro right now and really the I don't just a, 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 we're in a situation now we don't really know what the identity of Rev Pro is but if they do that mm. you get Osprey Zach at a Wrestle Kingdom maybe that's that's worthwhile for for the direction they're going and I don't know did you did either of you see the match did you did you rate it in any way I haven't had a chance uh, should I because I feel like I've seen no. the match many times seen now it. it's the same match that was exactly the point I was going to raise mm. we, have we already seen it yeah yeah uh, again yeah. probably on the lo- not even on the lower the match probably right in the middle of the mid range it ends with kind of a, a Zack Sabre almost like a roll up but it didn't feel like he completely got Sanahashi in it lots of good techers in the earlier stages of the match if anything you should check out the Zack Sabre Jr. promo afterwards where he's kicking off about the fact that they don't do a proper celebration for him he hasn't got he hasn't got a table with beers on it i think he wanted a can of was it gin and tonic or something like that he was asking for rails on boris generally very good the match itself yeah don't don't rush out your way to see it i want to be honest more than that you know in this mini destruction tour i want to see kenta and Ibushi from today um i haven't heard much about that one yet but that's something i kind of want to see i've spent some time catching up on osprey red doesn't feel immediately important these uh new japan shows going on over these last few days and yeah i wouldn't really tell anyone to, uh, to rush out and uh, i think the the grapple uh average is sitting just below four as well i've an i've an issue to to pick with you there Benley. you said nothing important is going on in these shows and admittedly <laughs> i'm only starting off in it but there's definitely something important going on these shows, and that's the Young Lions Cup. Go on, Joe. That's going on as the first two. Phil now, I'm in. only what's happening. I'm only four. I'm 
mate, I'm still on like the 5th of uh, September. Like that's, yeah, well behind on this. And all I'm doing is watching their matches and going on to the next show. I'm hoping to try and blitz it over this next week and over the weekend. Is this because you're taking your correspondency work seriously or is this because you're doing I made it? notes and everything. Is this because you're doing it out of choice because you really want to see these Young Lions matches? It's a combination of both. It okay. feels like a deal with the devil that I've kind of made by, by doing this. But I do kind of like it as well. And I have to say... There's some really like Alex Coughlin is Coughlin Coughlin. I should know how that's pronounced. You Jesus, should know it. He, I should do. We'll just walk. We'll just go past it, Benno. <laughs> I think he he's really good. Like the the standard of this is very good. Mm. I mean, there's on the so what you've got is you've got the four Gaijin, three from the LA Dojo and one from a Farley Dojo. Michael Richards, who's the weakest of them there? Is him. Kramer, <laughs> no, not quite. Certainly named after him. Oh my okay. god, he needs um, to change his name immediately. Yeah, if he googles himself, I tell you, it'll be difficult. Well, did you ever see the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where they references racism? Oh, no. that's brilliant. When Leon knocks at the door and he shits himself. Oh, it's so good when Leon's playing a black Jewish guy. Oh, it's so fucking good. <laughs> Go out your way to watch it. It's well good. Yeah. Right, I need to get on. Yeah, curb at some point in my life as better well. Better than Zach Well, it's certainly not better than the Young Lions. <laughs> Conflict, but no, to get it back on track. Um, it was him and I think it's Yota Suji who's in there. He looks like a kind of comedy. He always got like sort of really like what you'd imagine comedy facials to be. He's not as polished. Certainly he's not a Shota Umino who you'd imagine would win it. He had a great, he had a really good Young Lions match. It's his own little genre of this because they're not really spectacular. Mm. Um, and he had that with Clark Connors who looks really good um, at this point. Would you describe this stuff as meat and potatoes? It's very meat and potatoes wrestling. This you're a meat and potatoes sort of bloke. Fund- well, fundamentally, you? yeah, I've expressed my love of roast dinners and the like. So that's and you love cooking bangers and mash as well. I do. I've seen that a lot here. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, <laughs> both the matches all end up finishing like well, crap with um, like one half crab and one full crab. Fucking brutal one as well. I have to say in the uh, Cochlin Suji match, um, Richard Jamura was all right. And who was the other one? Fredericks Narita. That was good. Okay, so uh, Fredericks Narita, go and watch. I've got a long way to go with this. I'm going to have to bullet through past eight of them. I like this stuff. I suspect nobody else gives a shit except for me, but tough because I've said it now. I'd love to live in a universe where Troy Parrott also tries to be a wrestler and is dual football player and wrestler at the same time. Just to see how you feel. <laughs> That'd be it. If he didn't make it, I'd be heartbroken. It'd be like watching Hoop Dreams again. The, the new Irish Mate, he is the Irish ace. Honestly, he's he's. We're gonna. Well, we'll probably end up mentioning him later on. But like, very much Scotty Davis got those kind of expectations for him. Same thing with Troy Parrott. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, at least we got a we got a title for the podcast anyway. JP, it's going to be the Troy Parrott podcast now. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking that or Bob Monkhouse. There's a lot oh, of people we reference at the start of the show. <laughs> That's a good option. We still haven't done one called Jim Davidson. Oh, let's, let's never. He's no. not been spoken about until now. <laughs> we definitely mentioned Jim Davidson, but I heard Jeff Ogden talk about Jim Davidson on the uh, Graps and Claps podcast today as well. We, we definitely did our big break talk. We did. Love yeah. big break. <laughs> Great show. Um, but yeah, anyway, from the from, from those destruction cards. Sorry. Uh, again, I'm looking at the grapple ratings, JP. None of you young boys are cracking three stars yet, but you know, there's time. That's 
the time. Yarno scale, mate. Yarno scale. scale. <laughs> Three <laughs> is really about 4.25. <laughs> it's the reverse. That's how I feel. Well, Kenta... Three and a half is five. Oh, Kenta Ibushi did 3.98 and uh, Tanahashi Zach's done 3.98 as well, right on the dot. So nothing separating those two matches, but it doesn't look like there's a huge amount else to watch. I mean, did okay. either of you catch up with the uh, the J-Cup? I mean, I, I've seen Osprey Red, but... Similar to Summer Sizzler, that thing coming out three weeks after it happened, I don't really hugely... I, I want to care, but there's so much going. There was so much on this weekend anyway that I really haven't got round to it. Have you two seen Osprey and Red or anything else from the from the J-Cup while we uh, we talk about uh, New Japan? Yeah, I watched the Osprey Amazing Red match. Flick through that first night. Start, tried to watch Osprey's show on the second night. Mm. Single can. Unwatchable. Mm. Like They've really, really undervalued these shows and i feel that they've kind of cheapened themselves at the presentation of these shows and the fact they even did the commentary and post-production it feels like not a lot of effort and value has been put on the shows and it's a real shame because at a point when they probably had their most subscribers ever coming off the g1 mm. and again this hope for the osprey red match i think they should have valued these a little bit more especially with a talent like osprey in there coming off of that G1 when people are going to be excited to see whatever he's doing at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, that second eye is unwatchable. The single cam setup was awful. And the post-production commentary, it never fits well. Like, it always just... The levels always sound off. You can always tell it's done in post-production. I've not got around to the third night yet, but I was going to have a watch of Phantasma Osprey mm. and a couple other matches on that third night that look pretty good as well but mm. yeah Osprey Red was the main match so I'm glad I got to watch that what'd you make of it Benno? I liked it it was like I think there was a lot of a lot of hype I think the problem is when you got a match like this that takes a while to come out the only reviews you get are from the people live in the audience and there's always going to be that inflated live bias see me talking about mm. LAXCCK tag match uh, that maybe turned out to be not as great as I thought it was in the building like that's always going to happen is that there's always going to be an element of that I enjoyed it I think the uh, Osprey went out of his way to get read over um, Big Crewy kind of refer- what I was talking to him about it, and he was saying like it's very Osprey was basically short he looked a lot of the time I'm like Shawn Michaels overselling for Hulk Hogan and maybe there's a, there's a couple of moments where he went a bit too far with Stride so desperately to get read over but you can't argue with the fact that Osprey was so up for it and yeah he, he, you could tell he was happy to be there you could tell he was it was like a obviously a dream of his to have the match and you know he, he was well up for it and it, it definitely pulled the match into a maybe a higher stratosphere than it would have been otherwise but for me nowhere near a five-star match I probably probably would have said 4.25 or maybe 4.5 I haven't actually quite rated it on grapple yet but I enjoyed it I just maybe my expectations were set so high and if I just if this had been live stream and I've been watching it at the time maybe yeah, they got swept up in it like the live crowd did because they were very loud and very into it and all everyone every report you saw from there was raving about it but watching it on VOD I felt a touch colder even if still yeah I'm still calling mm. it at least a, a 4.25 star match yeah I'm completely with you there I went 4.25 as well I think you're right on the live bias as well because I was thinking Seattle how often has Will Ospreay been to Seattle mm. uh, it might be the first time he's been in the market from memory yeah. and if you're seeing him live for the first time and you get in that sort of performance room you're going to go mad for it and yeah. I get why you might overrate it a little bit because you're going to be so excited being there in the building also in that sort of building that sort of match like the atmosphere was great in there I'll give it that and the crowd really did help it out but yeah, I like the point that um, you made about the Hogan-Michael style selling, but 
I suppose the difference is Michaels was doing it to mock Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I suppose to try and really offense was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas Osprey's doing it because he loves Amazing Red and wants him to have a great match to go out in his, you know, kind of legendary indie career with, if anything. So, yeah, I thought Osprey was again just great in this. Amazing Red had some great moments in there as well. And if that's your last of a match, I'm trying to think of better matches to bow out on. Mm. Um, I I would have said Shawn Michaels Undertaker, but, you know, he had to do that tag match in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of retirement matches, I was trying to think of others that were as good as this. And yeah, nothing was immediately coming to mind. So mm. yeah, it was a great match to bow out on. And Osprey is just, he's just God at the moment, if you ask me. Oh, rest definitely. of the year. You can do no wrong by my accountant. Yeah, I, Red's retired so many times. Like since I think I love that Anthony Gangon match you had last last year, the no ropes match. Seek that out on YouTube if you haven't. But that, I think that was supposed to be a retirement match. This is supposed to be a retirement match. He'll be doing a Brit Res tour by twenty twenty. Somebody will get him over. He, I don't think he's quite gone. Um, did you see it, JP? Are you a Red fan? Would you? Uh, or are you a Red no. fan from his TNA yeah. days? Oh. Team with AJ. Look, like, you, oh, know, you know why JP wasn't watching it. No Don West in his corner. <laughs> <laughs> that was peak, that was peak red. Keep your ring of honor bollocks. That that was peak red. Go red, go. I haven't seen it yet. I plan on getting round to it. I it's just simply not having too much of a chance to mm. as well. And actually watching quite a lot of Mind Hunter again. So apologies. <laughs> Good show. But um I will go around and watch it. It's a great show. You sure it's not just the average age of the people in the match? Because they're not Iron Under 21s, they're not New Japan Young Lions. Like <laughs> Osprey, so only... Osprey's past 25 now, mate. You make me sound so fucking dodgy the way you say <laughs> that. I know is the intention. Uh, <laughs> I will get round to seeing this. Definitely watch um, it. Um, unlike yeah. what I said earlier about Zach Tanner, you know, it, it's not. It, maybe in this case, it is the match you expect, but it's still well worth going out to see because you're not going to see it again, and you won't have seen it before. Uh, so yeah, still watch. Definitely, definitely dig it out, JP. I think you'll dig it. I think you probably go similar to us. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I mean, one thing you did watch though, JP. You mentioned before we went on, you watched. You're watching some Big Japan. You shot me with that one. Oh, we both were. Mm. We got back in. So we'd been out on a trip today at a, what was a cracking exhibition that's now finished, which is the Design Museum about Stanley Kubrick and his films. Awesome, Benno. Sorry, it's got nothing to do with Big Japan. Obviously. It was fucking great, though. It was a great exhibition. Do you, you like, like Stanley Kubrick, Benno? Uh, I've seen one of his exhibitions before, I think when I was down in London. Uh, of stuff, but I'm not, film wise, yeah, you know, Clockwork Orange is all right. Uh, I'm not a big guy on that. Yeah, uh, and uh, I would, I think Eyes Wide Shut is a deeply shit film, um, which I just basically cannot tolerate. I've seen it once, and that's once too many. Prefer Lolita? No, I don't like Lolita. <laughs> it's a film about like competing perverts. It's awful. I don't like. It's, it's yeah, not a fan of that. Um, like Spartacus, but I have to say, like it's it's shining, Clockwork Orange. The stuff on the Shining, uh, the, the, I love, 2001. Space I love Odyssey the Clockwork Orange stuff, but the 2001 Space Odyssey stuff was the coolest stuff I thought of the exhibition. That was <laughs> awesome, absolutely. And so, what better way after an exhibition of that on a on a trip where um, all went relatively well was to come back and watch some Big Japan with uh, Michael Elgin, Daisuke Sakamoto. And it, this was 
absolutely fucking great. We've had an evening of hosses, haven't we? He really wanted big hoss evening tonight, and it went. I like, need more of them evenings. Yeah, felt like you could just lose yourself for a couple of hours. Honestly, Ben, you'd have, you'd have loved it. It's it's great. It's proper proper hoss stuff. Elgin is absolutely up for it. He's really throwing himself into it. And one of the great things about it is just the way that it, it almost feels like, I mean, this is just proper throwback stuff, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of kind of 90s kind of strong style spots in there, which I was loving as well. Um, some of the kind of more hard hitting stripe based stuff just looks awesome. Uh, Elgin is up for taking anything in this match as well. I suppose he's not been rested as much this year. Uh, yeah, Elgin, I thought, was awesome throughout. And I think it's a real shame that Elgin hasn't been around as much this year because, you know what, as far as guys go who are out there, I think he's one of the more underrated wrestlers possibly mm. in the world. When was the last time, really, you can remember a bad Michael Elgin performance? I know he's not majorly charismatic, but in this match in Japan, where he can fire up, where he can employ some sort of fighting spirit as well, he gets that style, he engages that style, the audience loves that style as well, and he knows how to get over with it. He's like a better version of Scott Norton, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it completely works. He There's fire there, whereas for a long time there hasn't been, and this was one of the great reminders of it. I don't know, you didn't see the match with Brian Cage, did you? No, the one in TNA. No, you didn't see that. No. Because that was great. Big lads hitting big moves match. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It was fucking stupid towards the end. It sounded very spot-based. Yes. It was, and and this wasn't, but there was a kind of bizarre, similar dynamic and pace to it mm. of like instead it was dueling clothesline and Germans. I, I like Brian Cage, but I think Dice is obviously yeah. a much better wrestler in terms of having someone that you can thread a story together with and tell yeah. quite an intricate match, like get an intricate sort of match across with. He's kind of a man for that, if you ask me. Mm. Whereas Brian Cage. I think relies on those big spots and that impressive kind of big man athleticism stuff, mm. if anything, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. This wasn't that. No, no, no. God, no. But the pace it was worked out. As oh, well. yeah. It's a good great. half an hour match. But I, I'd say to anyone that's worth working your way out of. I know I first heard about it from, you mentioned him earlier on the show, WH Park. He like, gives recommendations for some of these. And, and this is one of them. I know, Joe, you, you'd heard about this anyway, this match being absolutely, had, yeah. absolutely cracking. Uh, I think there's a couple of other ones. We were, at some point, I want to see Nomura Miyahara in all Japan. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen Miyahara since the Champions since Carnival. Champions Carnival. He's great in that this year. So yeah. yeah, I'll have to go around and watch that and one. Apparently, that's, that's great. So there's a few that are matches that are sort of floating around Japan that I'd like to see. I, um, I was going to watch Go Shiyazaki, Alexander Hammerstone, because they had it on MLW Fusion. But that's a match. <laughs> oh, is, yeah, they edited me for the edit from, like, straight from Japan, like that old, kind of that old WCW. No, actually, I think TNA have been doing that a lot as well, haven't they? Like, inter- introducing yeah. matches from other territories. Not a bad idea. Nice way to get the match out there. I like Do you know what? It's different. Mm. And it adds different. And I think that's something that can always work. So, um, yeah, there's a few of these I want to do. It's almost like the easiest way I find... You mentioned about not being able to like follow... It's like a New Japan off-season. Mm. And in some ways, it's going to be... I'm just going to be really just picking matches here and there and everywhere. 
because mm. for me that's the sort of the easiest way to condense it in until I want to throw myself into another period of wrestling. <laughs> and just off the G one, it's hard to. Well, you'd be watching those full mind. progress shows, mate, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I am intrigued to see Ali Pali. I will say that. I'm, I'm, I, I am somewhat intrigued, particularly. Yeah what happened with that main event do we want to talk about that like i was going to save it for later uh, but maybe we should <laughs> like yeah are you ever going to watch the shows job say again are you ever going to watch the shows i'm gonna to have to try and watch that <laughs> ali pally show oh. anyway. look i want to hear our man or your man glenn joseph losing his absolute mind when eddie dennis illogically catches a briefcase <laughs> He's got a briefcase. Where did he get a briefcase from? Like, yeah, this is spoiler alert. You've got to have a briefcase. That's what you got to have. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert. Oh, fuck idea. off. Fuck it, we're just you going into this. And you get a progress spoiler. You're a moan yeah. at us. Stop listening. I can, <laughs> we can lose the listener. Uh, <laughs> we can afford uh, it now, Joe, after last week. Yeah. I'm not being arrogant, but, you know, if you get annoyed about progress spoilers, come on. Um, yeah, anyway, it, the show looked poor, didn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, there was nothing that yeah. made me go, oh, yeah. Like, I've got to see it because it just looks a bit shit. Mm. But I actually forgot the show was even going on yesterday. Oh, it wasn't yeah. until I was out day yesterday. I played football last night. I got from football and I saw you guys had sent a message and I was just like, oh, fuck, that Ali Pally show was today. I completely forgot mm. about it. We- yeah, it just looked a bit rubbish we did, we did previews last week and we mentioned that i think we forgot to mention WWE. we forgot half the rest that was happening like this last weekend but yeah, oh, we, yeah like i know gareth was there and i think gareth had some positive things to say about natural progression the day before although consensus i was kind of seeing wasn't usually positive and maybe we're all being a bit reactionary from results so you know with the caveat of it sounds like we're all going to watch it and discuss it maybe in more detail next week it was the most progress weekend as far as like one step forward, two steps back, or five steps back in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, that that Eddie Dennis thing has to be the headline. Like, I we had the conversation about it, didn't we? Or messenger with Martin, and we were kind of trying to work out like when did Eddie Dennis win this title shot that he was cashing in? Apparently, and I think I think I'm right in this. Did did he win a title shot in that Mark Andrews match last year at Wembley? I'm pretty sure that's the that's the full circle we've come to here and after disappearing through injury and through oh being a baby face oh, yeah. the year, we've all kind of forgotten that was a thing and they did like the the table match well, the oh. i hate you i'll climb a ladder yeah that, that one that yeah. they never revisited and did the rematch on and instead made them friends and basically squashed the uh the do not resuscitate oh, when lads. they did their Think about this great layered story. They hated each other. They were great friends at Alexandra Palace two (laughs) years ago. He turned on him with this great heel turn. Then a year later at Wembley, after a pretty great feud for the most part, uh, we had this absolute train train wreck of a ladder match where, you know, when you hate someone, the natural thing to do is climb up a ladder to grab a contract, you know. Mm. And then at Alexandra Palace later on, they reunited and became friends in this horrible moment that did not feel earned in any way at all, where they end up hugging and people were sort of like, we should cheer this, but it's not much of a cheer. Mm. And then they've done this after Eddie Dennis has said that he's left progress two months previously and he swerved us all ha 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 the evil eddie dennis and his swerving 
And his character's been back and forth, heel and face, heel and face, for fucking ever, and no one knows what's going on. And now this has happened. They'll look at this and think, oh, what a layered story we've told. (laughs) Started all right. The last year has been fucking awful. Is Mark Andrews a heel as well? Apparently. Yeah. Awful. We'll see. I reckon reckon Glenn wrote this for us. If Eddie... I hope so. If if Eddie Dennis... (laughs) won it like, like a year ago fine he was kind of hot then oh he was yeah like yeah. now like nah like you can't just revive this with you know just giving him the belt i can't see this working doesn't interest me one bit um all well, i want to see is the the moment yeah <laughs> the moment um from ali pally and yeah, whatever. As a show, uh, do you regret not going? Because I can't oh, say I even thought lo- about it for a second. It looks like every bad WrestleMania from the last few years. Like it, like a moment booking sums it up. Because like it does nothing about it that makes people run out and watch it. You know, Eddie Dennis pinning David Starr and not Walter, by the way, in a big moment, cashing in his alleged Money in the Bank contract or whatever the fuck he allegedly had. Moments, you know, you had. Devlin um, and Scotty Davis cashing in Scotty Davis's natural progression series that I've got some positive things to say about, but he won the tournament the night before. Mm-hmm. Cashes in, big moment, they win the tag titles. Maybe on its own that'll be fine, but I do think doing the two moments on the same show uh, is too much. You got the Miko Satamora, you know, the, the progress legend, uh, came in and beat Jordan Grace for the title. Big moment. Uh, yep. Chris Roberts hit some stunners in that Proteus Rumble, which I heard Andy Alton oh, say was, was very entertaining. You know, speaking of irony wrestling, but you know, moments. Uh, Paul Robinson won that thing uh, again. Yep. Spoilers, sorry everyone. Moment, and uh, he came in first as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, so that lovely overtold story that WWE have kind of killed by <laughs> doing it too much over the years. It's yeah, a WWE show. great epic WWE style story where everyone gets behind the person because he comes in first. In the first ever Rumble they've ever fucking booked, they've done that. Like, oh. <laughs> Noir turns up as the challenger for Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne wins, obviously. Uh, puts Cara Noir over after the after the match. Mm-hmm. Moments. Uh, it was WrestleMania. It was. It really was progress as WrestleMania from the uh, the sounds of the spoilers. Are you rushing out to see this one, JP? I want to say rushing out. However. After all the grief we've given them, at least it'll be out in a reliable five to seven days. <laughs> no, well, yeah. you know, if, if fair this. play to them. They're, uh, they're going to beat Rev Pro. I, I'm going to say there's a little bit of slight humble pie being eaten by me over that. On, <laughs> you know, for some of the things I end up saying about it. Yeah. At least it's fucking out. I'll say that much. <laughs> you know, a week doesn't sound too um, bad now, does it? In this post Yeah, it world. does. Sounds, sounds like a fucking dream. Um, I just, I am curious. I'm curious about this and the NPS. Of the two shows of the weekend, I think the NPS is the one that had more personal appeal for me. Mm. Obviously, I went to neither. It looked like they did some decent things on that show. It was new. It felt fresh. It was, I like the idea of it as a, that sort of one night tournament. I mean, that's definitely the way they should go with it now. I think that, and the idea of just whole fresh talent. Now, obviously, there's been things about the book, and I have to wait to see that because yeah. I'm I'm a bit oh, wary yeah. of joining in on shitting on a wrestler who I, I, haven't, actually, who I haven't seen. Yeah, the I idea <laughs> of criticism, but the, I was going to say the idea of criticism of it is fair game. Can I yes. make that absolutely clear? Yes, like people are, you know, that's that's going to happen if you're in a pub, if, if you're doing something in front of oh, the public. I, I mean, if you're an actor. 
this happens. Is this the Danny Duggan? Yeah. So, like, just to be clear, what happened? Like, Danny Duggan beats Michael Oku with the help of that reliable, somehow still a thing, stable, do not resuscitate in the semi-finals, knocking Oku out of the tournament, who everyone expected to win. A line in Danny Duggan with uh, with do not resuscitate, who really shouldn't be resuscitated at this point. And Danny Duggan himself, who, based on the live reports, I believe he had an, he was carrying an injury, so I'll give him that. But based on the live mm. reports from a number of people there, it sounded like he wasn't impressing in any way. Uh, I've seen a really odd choice to be to go with as this big heel tip. And like I was straight away, you know, kicking off about laughing about it on Twitter about Oku having all this promise and then he crashes out for a do not resuscitate out angle. But I was talked down a little bit by talking to Grapple Gareth and he was saying there live, you know, at least it was something, it was an angle and they've gotten a few people over in this tournament instead of just one, which would have just been Michael Oku. So we can go into the, the positives in a minute. But yeah, the thing mm. you're referencing there is, uh, is Danny Duggan getting so so many pelters online that is, uh, is you know, Spike Trevay, that, that, that mega Tory heel going on Twitter to, to compare criticising uh, him and write, it sound like rightful criticism of, of Danny Duggan uh, with apparently it's just like real life bullying. That's literally a sentence that came out of Mega Heel Spike Treve's mouth. Uh, I quote tweeted them with her uh, with that Hogan screenshot of Goodnight Hulkamaniacs who don't know a work when it's a work or wherever that tweet is. I got myself blocked by him because of it, unfortunately. But didn't expect that from Spike Treve. And yeah, I think you're right, Jamie. <laughs> I think criticism's fair game because Danny Duggan's not knocked my socks off at any point, and it sounds like all the the criticism, at least with regards going with him as the big heel of the tournament, seemed fair to me. I think part of that might be on progress as well, though, because you've put this guy in there completely cold. You've not promoted him in any way. You've not built him up in any way. He's not got any discernible sort of character or anything. He's not got any indie buzz. And you're just expecting him to get over and get heat based on being associated with, you know, death. <laughs> yes. Do not resuscitate. So part of that is on progress as much as it is on Danny Duggan. I haven't seen the matches. I can't comment on him in ring, really, during this tournament. But, yeah, I think progress probably are at fault there as well to some degree. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's... And it just sounds like a bit of a lump on has occurred. Like, it sounds like he's become, like, the whipping boy for the mm. weekend, if anything. Bullying and, yeah, he might, have been, he might have been shit. I wasn't there. But it does mm. feel like it's become, like, the cool thing if you're a fan to lump in on him for the... For the weekend yeah maybe maybe there's something there but i don't think i quite go as far as to call it bullying i think uh chris no no, so, no no what no. is it about wrestling with like i mean maybe it, does it happen in all like facets that like wrestlers are so so scared of any kind of critique or or like opinion like even just having an opinion seems like the type of thing that would wind up a spike trevay uh it's such an odd subculture isn't it or is it just the norm does this happen in all pop culture well, in all pop culture, we like everything because why can't you just like it? And if you don't like it, then don't watch it. Because yeah. everything's great. Everything's great. <laughs> everything is fucking tremendous. Yeah, the music of Cliff Richard is as good as the music of Radiohead, you know? Oh, yeah. Because um, everything's great at the end of the day. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are some good things to come out of this show, though. It sounds like I'm looking forward to. We were going to say there were some good things about Cliff Richard for a second. There's no good thing. Bloody a. That time at Wimbledon when he got up and sang a song. That's maybe the one. No, uh, no, no. 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 made me hate moment. tennis that for a while. <laughs> I thought if Not I even was, in an ironic was, way. Honestly, after being like my idea of of being like Alex in uh, in the Clockwork Orange, mm. like if you're gonna hold my eyes open like that famous scene 
and you put that video footage of him singing, dancing with Martina Navratilova. over. That's my version of fucking hell. You'd have got them Wimbledon strawberries and cream and pelted in his face, wouldn't you? I probably would have done. I'd have told him, shut the fuck up. We'll wait for the rain to go. <laughs> I need entertaining. <laughs> my book with me. It was, what, the mid-90s? Where'd you sound on the Millennium Prayer? Not a fan. <laughs> I, I thought you'd go harder than that. No. I, I'm not going to, but uh, no, not a fan. Awful idea. Who bought it? Our Father who art in heaven. I know how it goes. Hallowed be. I, I day. was brought up a Catholic. I am very well aware how well, that like, bloody thing goes. Let's not get into yeah. that. No, <laughs> that could go badly. Can <laughs> open worms everywhere. <laughs> Uh, but what I was going to say was, yeah, based on Gareth Live's report, it does sound like in the Natural Progression series they did, you know, okay, Oku didn't go the whole way, but, you know, Oku's a guy in progress now. Sounds like Karanoir got over, which he always was going to. He's a, he's a Glenn Joseph mm. guy, if you ever saw one. Uh, I saw Randy Ogden say that. Um, he was always going to go with him. Sounds like Dan Maloney did all right. Sounds like, you know, although we're not... Yeah, I, I can't see myself loving it. They tried something with Danny Duggan, and they put, you know, mm-hmm. lost in the conversation here, JP. They put uh, one of the uh, the Irish young boys over in uh, in Scotty Davis, which is a bit out of left yeah. field, and obviously giving him that tag title win the next day. I worry about making him, you know, the junior to Devlin that Devlin was to Balor, but they've done something with him, and they've, they've gotten a, a, a fresh guy over who uh, I know you're a big fan of. It's, yeah, and it's what we've said we've wanted progress to do, mm-hmm. really, ever since the existence of NXT UK on a weekly basis is effectively new fresh talent within mm. progress because as we've already obviously alluded to in terms of the main event what what the NXT UK stuff is it ruins the main event scene but you would hope that the undercard is going to be at least filled with some kind of with good young workers who are getting experience in front of a good crowd they should yeah. have been off the NXT. If anything, from this weekend, what it tells me, okay, yeah, they got 2,000 people in Alexandra Palace for their NXT UK I'm amazed moments. at that, by the way. Oh. Like, that shows oh. where I am. Because <laughs> I thought they were going to... I thought they were going to get less than 1,000. So that shows right, that right. I'm way off oh. in terms of understanding oh, where that yeah. fan base is at the moment. Yeah, mm. Briley was gloating about that one. Um, Brit Rez is dead, question mark, I think is what he said. Yeah, cause they got Didn't they get 4,000 last year? I think Wembley. they did, mate. I think they did, yeah. I think it's a bit, a yeah. bit of a couple so of steps in a year yeah so Brit Rez, there's no problem with Brit Rez, everything's fine um but like for me yeah although they did that like i i'll stand by my opinion that like if anything putting eddie dennis another nxt uk guy as your title as your man you know as the top of the company like just tells me and the natural progression series actually getting the positive kind of thought out of the weekend that's not the direction to go the direction to go is just is reset Get rid. Don't even use the NXT UK guys, except for yeah. in, except for if you want to do your moments. Okay, you can have Pete Dunne come back every now and then. But mm. in the main, Ugh. I wouldn't even use the NXT UK guys. I would. It would just be cleaner. Like if you can't, if you can't pin your champion, you can't pin Walter, and you have to pin David Starr to get, to move your belt onto somebody else. That just tells you that yeah, there's there's so much control you're booking over your other company that maybe just separate entirely. Maybe that's the direction to go. Uh, you might not you might not get two thousand people right away, but maybe maybe that's what they should be doing long term anyway. And every match other than the Maker Satamora versus Jordan Grace match had some sort of NXT UK talent in who were like key and pivotal to the match. Mm. Like 
kind of tells you everything about what that promotion is right now. It's how to get 2,000 people, I yeah. suppose, isn't it? I've got a, something, I, something I would like to see in progress. The whole um, David Starr, Jack Sex with Sugar Duncan being at the front mm-hmm. doing the unionised stuff before, hmm. I thought was quite interesting. Uh, I really like those T-shirts. Though. I thought they were cool yeah. T-shirts. And it got me thinking, y- you know what, if they went with that, that's a better DNR. That's a reset button with a different faction. The union faction, right? Mm. And Paul Robinson's already cut his anti-union promo where he's put unions over his and heels. Andrews has said plenty about defending the wrestling. And he's on the opposite side of the star now. Yeah. yeah you could do that right. too. It's, it's kind of a risk because you highlight unionization in a promotion like Progress, which is aligned very much with the most anti-union promotion <laughs> in the world... So I don't think it would happen, and they have to be seriously ballsy to give it a go. But Jesus, would I have some respect for progress if they did give that a go? And it's something I'd love to see. And I think with Star as the figurehead, Sexsmith is maybe a manager because he can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. And with Sexsmith's story with progress, where something's clearly oh. gone on there, mm. and Sugar Duncan coming into the promotion as well. I think there could be some good things there. It'd be great if they come in as heels and yeah. people quickly realise, you know what, unionisation is quite a good thing. And then Sugar with his natural charisma, Sexsmith with his likability, and Star with just his pure brilliance and class get it over his faces and they realise that the likes of Paul Robinson and his anti-union pro- promos are dickish. But then you probably make the promotion a heel, so it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They're always going to, by leaning into the star stuff, they're, they're outright, they're putting themselves up. But I think that's the direction they're going, though. I do think it's really going to happen. I don't know about making Sugar Dunkerton a heel. That's my only only problem with that. Yeah. yeah. He's got the charisma to carry it, so it could work. Um, but yeah, I think, that, I think he they're going to do. I've got it. faith in him, and it's good to see him back for a little bit as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. He's the type of guy, yeah, he should be there or there about some progress, too, so. Was yeah. he in the Proteus Rumble? Yes, he was. Yeah, but apparently got the apparently the Ogdens got the song going. So good on them. Oh, <laughs> Jeff and Andy at it again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll. <laughs> that sounded rude. <laughs> Is that going to be the title of the podcast? Maybe. Um, <laughs> but but while this was going on, we also. Uh, there was a, a weekend of wrestling we could watch. Hopefully, we'll review uh, those shows in more detail next week. But. What else did you watch this weekend, lads? Trip JP, I assume you watched them AAA. Um, they were all over the No. What? Not yet. No, not yet. I thought you'd have been staying up for that one. Their second no. biggest show of the year. No, it's, well, Mate, it was not their may, second look, biggest show. Madison may, Square Garden. Well, not really, but kind of. It really, I think there was about 2,000 people there for it. I respect the effort with the Young Lions correspondence this week, but Jesus, you're slacking on the AAA work, mate. I am. And if I'd like to mention as well my egregious error last week, it was Alistair who gave me the game. Top bloke messaged, I am a pint of Guinness at some point. Just uh, wanted to get that in. How is the game? I uh, haven't actually got around to playing it yet. Your, Still, Your AAA correspondency has gone ever toilers in <laughs> Triple Mania. It really has, hasn't it? I will be on it for next week's show, I promise you. And it's that and Impact together as well, so you think I would have been all over this. Bloody Kubrick's fault is what it is. Oh, I'm really disappointed, I'd up on it today. You're gutted, aren't you? Did you watch it, Benno? No, come on. Uh, I, no. I want to, though. Like, I've seen gifts from the... Because uh, LAX was, were there, weren't they? They somehow 
got from progress to there or the other way around. I was kind of shocked to, to see they were on the card. I want to see that and stuff with Penta and, and Phoenix. I'll watch it at some point. Uh, but no, I was busy watching. Uh, on Saturday night, I went round to Matt's to watch uh, Bloodsport, but we ended up watching a load of oh, yeah. mid-2000s Smackdown for some reason, Lots of, or early <laughs> 2000s and, and late 90s. We saw I saw a, a Survivor Series match with The Rock, Steve Austin, Kane and Shane McMahon versus DX. I didn't even know. I couldn't even remember that thing existing. What year um, was that? Ninety. Oh no! It was during Triple H's heel run, so I think it was two thousand. Pretty sure it was two thousand. Uh, yeah, that was that was Shane. My God, he he can't wrestle now, but fuck it, hell back then. Uh, I've seen. It's funny. I've seen uh, like uh, Wade Keller's like his biggest critic. He, critic. He'll always have a go at Shane at being unbelievable that he that he beats up wrestlers. If it was ever unbelievable, it was unbelievable twenty years ago. If anything, at this point, we've got twenty years of of canon of Shane McMahon beating people up, um, as he did in this match with lots of stiff shots to uh, to X Pac. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was good to, to, to go back. Oh, and that watch. was a great feud over the European title. This was yeah. So this yeah. was that was when they were uh, yeah the other way around the uh, babyface and heel. For some reason, Shane was the babyface in this match. This was when DX reformed uh, as a heel act. But no, you're right with the uh, with Shane with his uh, X. But what did they have in his gear where he was like he basically dressed uh, like X back? It was like X something wasn't yeah. it? Like it was. Uh, I haven't seen WrestleMania 15 in many years. Great match, Bello, Great match. I know what you mean. Oh. I was a big fan of the Mean Street Posse at yes. that point when they brought them in and they were like chasing X Park around. Love a bit of the Mean Street Posse. Big fan. <laughs> Great music as well, the oh. Mean Street they Posse. Missed the trick not bringing them back for Shane's recent comeback to be like his goons be standing behind them. You could really... really I'm friends of Pete Gas on Facebook. Have a word. <laughs> see, see what's going on. See if you ever got the call, Joe. Get him on the podcast. Um, I'll have a look. Him and Ahmed Johnson. Him and Ahmed Johnson are my Facebook friends, yeah. yeah. I'm friends with D- Daniel Amakachi, so there's that. I've got that. Right. <laughs> what a give to see Rodney. Daniel Amakachi, how is he doing these days? Doing well, doing well, mate. A lot of it, he seems very, very right. gracious of, uh, of the fan support, yeah. Seems happy uh, over in Africa. Ah, good lad. I'm not a big Facebook man these days, but what I did enjoy was I remember when Pete Gass was out on a night out with Rodney mm. from the Meat Street Posse, and it was like, <laughs> there's one man missing. Oh, and imagine if you saw Joey Abs. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> Joey, you're in the side down, mate. Oh, imagine, imagine if you were on a night out in town and you bumped into them too. Oh, be, oh and they're sweat vests. I'd be well up, <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome but yeah sadly they weren't in sight on this Smackdown match I watched but the, one thing I did note we watched loads of The Rock didn't I have to lay down a lot Dwayne like you know what as far as the headliner really? goes he gets pinned a lot in the build up to matches like we watched the uh, Hogan uh, Nash and Hall versus uh, Austin and Rock match he got pinned there again by Hogan I like that I like that Rock was a was a very uh, I don't know, not he, he wasn't a selfish main eventer like, like some nah how was were Hogan and Austin the ring in that? Any point yeah, together? that was mad watching it because I remember at the time like this was the go home for WrestleMania, Rock and Austin, yeah, yeah, Rock I remember. and Hogan. And I remember at the time thinking like, are you really giving this away on Raw? And there's like a a short period where Hogan gets the heat on Austin, and that's pretty much it as far as like in ring contact between the two. He just beats him down a bit. I think he rakes his eyes, hits a couple of elbows, and then tags back out to Nash. And I was watching it like the crowd didn't seem to really care that much, and I was thinking like, this is such Weird. a big moment for a match we never got and they just threw it away on Raw in a, in a couple of minutes they should never have had Hogan wrestle before Wrestlemania in mm. hindsight I don't think mm. that should have been his first match back in 
But then again, think how over he was on the night anyway. It didn't exactly affect him. Yeah, though. it didn't make a huge difference. Did it? That's very much the uh, that's the game philosophy. I was saying that in the podcast with WH Park, like the Danielson Lager match. They did the Dream Tag the night after, so you didn't get to see them touch before their singles match. Same with Kabashi Joe. The Dream Tag was the night after. Um, you don't want to give it away, but you're right. It didn't make a huge difference, did it? Um, but yeah, we watched some of that. We watched some PCW Ultra, which was the most shindy promotion I've ever seen. I'm not even going into it. I refuse. Uh, Matt's a big fan. <laughs> Uh, it was like watching. Remember those old JPW TVs? Did you, either you ever watch them back in the mid two thousands? Hold on, PCW Ultra. Are we talking about Flutter in the land? No, no, PCW no. the US version. There's another. The PCW UK oh. have got their have started putting their TV up on YouTube. Episode one is from hey. Blackpool, where we are with Tom Lawler on. They've, they've only really, it seems, just got round to uh, to airing that stuff. But no, this is the other not as good PCW. Did you have a Tom Lawler night? No, but we saw quite a bit of Tom Lawler because yeah, we did uh, we did see him on Bloodsport as well. Like I, I'm a big fan of Filthy Tom. Um, oh yeah, as you two are being as being his best uh, MNS mates. <laughs> oh yeah, well Costa, a bit of MNS as well. <laughs> we we and Nando's as well. We we hung out a good bit that weekend with uh, with I'll, Filthy. He was, he's a top bloke, top bloke, and great commentator. He needs to be as well. over him more. <laughs> oh, he does, yeah. Get him over on it. Are you looking forward to his MLW match with it, him and the Von Eriks and Loki versus Contra Unit? I've not been watching the TV, but Matt's been keeping me updated, so I will. I'll, I'll tune in for that, definitely. Um, that's just, that's like out tonight as we're recording. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. I'll someone's do. looking forward to it, eh? <laughs> I fucking am. Man. I do, I do love some filthy Tom. He is great. I saw. Someone made the joke about that, like Alvarez and Meltzer covered this Bloodsport show we're about to talk about, and it's purely because Lawler's on there. So get Lawler on your show, you're going to get some extra coverage as well, so it's it's worthwhile doing. But No, he's oh, great. Yeah. He was great, wasn't he? Like on this, we should talk Bloodsport now, because that was why I was there. Yeah. Never mind this Smackdown PCW stuff. The reason I, we, I went round was to watch Bloodsport, and yeah, it was, uh, tell you what, he was a revelation on, uh, on commentary, Filthy Tom. I thought he was absolutely fantastic throughout the night. He was on commentary, like you say, on commentary, absolutely amazing. Did you know he does um, MMA commentary as well? No, I didn't realise that. Because he's been, it's like the really minor promotions. He's done some MMA commentary for them. Hmm. And you can really tell because he does that. And you hear Excalibur do this and you don't hear enough commentators do, do this. Calling moves. Just hmm. calling moves. This is what's happening. That's why he's great like, at Bloodsport because he could explain it. He was Joe Rogan, wasn't he? He was. He was Joe. He was. He was absolutely fantastic, and he he um he does such a good job. And this is like perfect for him. He completely understands this this element of the hybrid, and the idea that you know it's it's obviously work. It's what is it? uh work shoots. Is that that is that the expression? Mm, Am I yeah, completely yeah, wrong. Yeah. So um because of that. He completely gets how it should be done and how it should be presented. I thought when he wasn't there, and MLJ, it's difficult for a wrestling commentator to commentate on a show like this. Because I think then what ends up happening is there's stuff happening in the ring, but there's so much happening that you need somebody who's on top of it. Like they would be if they were calling it like someone who was in UFC or in Bellator, calling the strikes as they happen. I think that's something to have with this if they could do that for the future that's not a slight on mlj but clearly his wheelhouse is doing professional wrestling mm, definitely 
Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought the all in all, I think the presentation of the show was good. The commentary was good. I thought, mm. you know, Bloodsport. I would probably say it's more your thing than mine, JP. Bloodsport. Uh, I always enjoy it. Mania weekend. I, I always like. I like it as like that that different show that kind of sets the tone for the weekend. Um, as a standalone thing here, it was kind of a different different proposition. Um, yeah, but still enjoyable. I, th- I think there's lots of lots of lots to talk about in positive terms as well as. Some of the matches for me I found a bit slow and, you know, of the style. You know, it is what it is. If you're yes. into the style, you're going to love it. If you're not into the style, you're not going to love it. Uh, but I did think there were some notable performances through the match. I uh, thought uh, Eric Hammer and JR Kratos had a good heavyweight scrap, yeah. I thought. Anthony Corelli, the former Santino Morel, actually looked... Of the people on the... I didn't really enjoy, hugely enjoy the match with Simon Grin, but I enjoyed him in it. I thought he was, like, the most... Of the guys, the shoot guys on there, I thought Santino Morella was the most convincing guy as far as, like, how good his suplexes and his and his submissions looked. I'd definitely take another look at him yeah. on another blood sport. And he clearly was loving it, just getting the idea of being Anthony Corelli for once mm. and just being able to be himself. And it's always something you've heard about with him is that he's into this and then he'd come out and be wearing a dress or <laughs> Smackdown or something along those lines. But you hear this idea of he did shoot style stuff. So it's... it's Battle arts, wasn't it? Battle arts, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think for him, like the sporadic nature of these shows and really the way I'd like this almost to go, this kind of genre of wrestling mm. is... Even if it's just one match on a card, I think there's a place for this. I think you could create a Bloodsport belt that is maybe mm-hmm. defended in random indie. So maybe you give the belt to say, I don't know, if Josh Barnett wants to work more indies or Chris yeah. Dickinson even. Yeah. Um, Tom Lawler. Yeah. And they maybe defend it on various indies and do a different style of match where they're defending it possibly and go down the more sort of work shoot route. I think would be quite cool. Hmm. Nick Gage, maybe you could put it on him. Oh that. fuck! What a man! <laughs> right, he's a hero, isn't he? Ah, oh, my second favorite wrestler, though, after Will Ospreay. What a man! When he Just, came out, yeah, he's my favorite felon. Now. <laughs> that is a super G- Nick Gage in GCW is the most superstar entrance you get in wrestling now and it's purely because he comes out and everyone in the crowd is basically his best mate and he's giving them hugs and fist bumps and he's getting them going he's the, he's the modern day Sandman mate, I want to be his best mate oh, I want to be his best mate if they get him in Wolverhampton that's oh. the, he, maybe an Osprey dream you, match which ain't happening you need a fake but passport Nick though. Gage is the only other person who's getting me to Wolverhampton right now <laughs> seriously oh, you need a fake passport to get him out here is the only thing because I don't know well, really. can you get a convicted well, felon me, over I was chatting to my brother and I was saying convicted felons that we know of who got back in yeah alright they had WWE and WCW back in Booker T MVP R-Truth um, trying to think of who else there are a few of them have been over, so uh, hopefully Gage at some point. And someone told JP, a fellow wrestler, that he thinks Gage can get in the country. Hmm. Well, if he can, you'd think Fight Club Pro will book him tomorrow. Um, it's got to happen. I, I've got. I've got to. Like he, honestly, like. To relate I, you back to the earlier conversation, will Nick Gage as many things? If he's wrestling in Britress, one thing he certainly isn't is woke. <laughs> oh, God, imagine the protest. Fucking hell. Imagine the protest. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe Fight Club Pro is the wrong place. Um, I'm just thinking of... No, I won't say it. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what you're thinking, Joe. But I'd, I'd still do it. It's worth the risk. Like, this match with Killer Cross, they only went three minutes. And you know what? Of all, all, all this talk of work shoots and trying to do shoot style, this felt like the realest fight of the night because Killer Cross is trying to... 
take him down with actual technique and Nick Gage is try, just trying to fight him and like there was a point where he just popped up and just ran over and kicked him in the head like, oh I just, that was fucking awesome after that suplex yeah, yeah. I was so into it oh. like Gage was treating it like a real fight it was a proper like people throw the word spectacle around a lot this was a fucking spectacle clean sweep with the Nikes from Gage there as well I was loving it <laughs> brilliant it's just fucking wild man jumping oh, great on great brawling as well i love the middle fingers he's going to i said to jp he is the wrestling equivalent of nate diaz mm. like there are certain yeah. things he has a charisma about him nate diaz is probably better at fighting than nick gage is at wrestling but in terms of their level of charisma and what they project something about him reminds me of diaz he's obviously a dickhead mm. but he's a great and he's an incredibly likeable and interesting dickhead that's for sure give me more nick gages rather than i don't know spike trevay any day of the week <laughs> definitely yeah uh, <laughs> i loved it i mean I thought it was what, what else did you have as highlights jp because you can't really go um, you can't really go match by match in a blood spur can you it's no, not really you, worth breaking down move by move but... no you'd be there forever mm. i mean if you like if you like that kind of if you like Zack Sabre Jr. matches, let's say, and you've not seen anything to do with blood sport before, but the you like the idea of ground-based technical wrestling, then this is very much it. Of the, the other match I did really enjoy was Davy Boy Smith and Tom Lawler, primarily again because of Tom Lawler, because I think he completely gets this. You can see the limitations in Davy Boy Smith Jr. during this. Like, I mean, he is fundamentally he's like a charisma charisma vacuum he's a boring content he is boring and he has all of these fundamentals that should make him great but he really doesn't but i thought in this lawler did like really good work of kind of getting a good match out of him during it mm. so I, I sort of give the the credit to him as much as anything else so i, I did enjoy that um, what are the other things? Powerbomb knockout in that one as well. You've got always got to appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was... I wasn't necessarily... I mean, it's the fact that, that Lawler put him over on there as well. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> one of my favourite things about this show, actually, was the way JP watched this show. Um, he watched it partly on the bus on the way to London today. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then when we got to the uh, design museum, uh, we had to do a little bit of waiting around and... JP walked off to get a coffee, uh, having a vape and watching uh, Bloodsport on his phone as he was walking through London to grab himself a coffee. So, yeah, yeah typical JP on brand there. <laughs> really was. Yeah. A bit on the way back and then we watched, yeah, just watched the rest of it here. Yeah. Um, was... One thing I'll say for the show, honestly, I don't know if they should do these standalone very often. I think they yeah. work much better as part of a sort of destination weekend. I was ready for some proper wrestling after it. I was like, okay, what are we watching now? And we only had the Impact yeah. pay-per-view to turn over to. There was nothing. Yeah. I don't know about it standalone, but maybe I'm in the minority because people do seem to love these things. They're cool. They're different. They are cool. I'd like to maybe see one as part of a bigger wrestling weekend, though. Mm. I think when you've got that sort of WrestleMania crowd, that hot crowd, I think also having a, more of a dark, dingy sort of location. Mm. The place they had in New York this year was kind of perfect for it, if anything. Um, and I think, yeah, the place they uh, were in this time, it was too bright. It was quite open. Mm. I didn't think it was the best venue for the style, but they're trying to get across. You feel like you want a sort of fight club style with it. I was going to say, did they have tiered seating in New York as well? Because I'm trying to think yeah, of I think Suzuki, mm. Barnett. Does it feel like the crowd were on top of them? Mm. Like he was the bloody Kumite. Oh, yeah. Boxley, Boxley well. and Regal up in the in the gallery. That was a perfect yeah. uh, venue for Bloodsport. 
And when you've had Minoru Suzuki, who, in my opinion, I was thinking of this the other day, I think, along with Osprey, Minoru Suzuki is the greatest live performer I've ever seen as a wrestler. I think you don't get Minoru Suzuki fully until you see him live. And when you see him live, you realise just what an incredible performer he is and mm. how consistent he is everything. He wasn't on this show. It's the first blood sport he's not been on. You could feel that he wasn't there. There wasn't You're a missing. star or someone of the ability yes. of Minoru Suzuki on this. When yeah. they took Moxley out... Yeah. I like Chris Dickinson. I enjoyed him on that last GCW show. He's that improved I watched. massively this year as well. But yeah. I felt like maybe you could have put a bigger name in there with Barnett. Maybe, maybe that would have been the match. Maybe you could move Lawler up and put Dickinson in another match. Like, that was one thing for me. I didn't love the main event. It went a bit long I, and I wasn't yeah, really I'm engaged in it. I would have had Davy Boy Smith Jr. if only because obviously him and Barnett have trained lots together. And they've well. trained under Billy Robinson. Yeah, they? and they trained under Billy Robinson. There's a kind of natural story in that. I get the idea of elevating Dickinson and we were saying as well, Dickinson is someone I'd like to see come over to Europe at some point and have a, have a tour over here. He feels like, especially with the clear out of a lot of independent guys, it's kind of very much primed opportunity for him. And while I don't think he's anywhere near really the finished article, and I don't necessarily see how I see him having good matches, but not really sort of great matches. He's good though. He is good and he has definitely improved. And I'm much more compared to what I thought two main years ago. To how I feel about him now. Well, like, think about he, this one. Ma- he has massively improved, but evolved. That's the that yeah. was a part of the issue is him being an evolve and not seeing him. Well, think about it this way. Do you remember that great match at WrestleMania a couple of years ago between TK Cooper, Travis Banks against Chris Dickinson and Jacker? Right. If no. you'd have said to me, I don't. That, oh, it was great. <laughs> it was really good. Was and super, I th- I'm pretty sure. Um, TK and Travis Banks got their bookings in PWG that didn't go too well um, as a result of that match. It was an awesome match. But if you'd have said to me two years later, Chris Dickinson is going to be the hottest of the four guys in that match, I'd have oh. been like, hey, you're mad. TK and Travis, TK especially, was going to go from strength to strength. But it is Chris Dickinson two years later. He's consistently improved. He's out there getting bookings mm. regularly across the US indie scene. I'd like to see him in a WXW, possibly. If Rev yep. Pro could get him for a couple of dates, mm. cool. I'd be well up for seeing him over here. Yeah, o- like yeah. OTC, lots of British indies. I think he could do a really good job. Yeah, I think he was like, yeah, he's been a big winner of like this GCW boom. I thought he kind of stood yeah. out on the night. I think he had he's someone I'd like to see in other places. You know, again, Eric Harmar, J.R. Kratos, two people I'd not seen before. Wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of them uh, in straight matches. But other than that, I think the only... The only real uh, newsworthy thing that came out of the show for me was the fact that, you know, we mentioned before about maybe this thing needed the star. Well, Killer Cross put himself out there. Challenge big days. Yeah. Batista, Bloodsport, WrestleMania oh. weekend. Could that happen? Could you imagine Vince's reaction? <laughs> he was in the that? building, apparently. He apparently was filming something backstage, like he was doing like a, some kind of movie in one of the other rooms where Bloodsport was taking place. So I think I think Killer Cross, in his weird like contract limbo with Impact, just shot his shot and, uh, and went for it. Uh, kind of maybe Good hoping Batista to walk out. Good lad. Good luck to him, and I quite like Killer Cross as well. I have to say, of he's, course you do. I do. He's he's been on Impact, hasn't he? Um, but I think at the same time, he really does <laughs> a he good though? job. Of Has he been on Impact himself. JP? Like because they don't really well, want him on there anymore. He was, but he's also a bit. He's been around AAA for a while, but he's not there anymore. And in in fairness, yeah, he's he's got he's the kind of wrestler that WWE should be going for. He fits in with what they want. Would you be up for Batista in a Bloodsport remake or sequel where Van Damme and Batista are like buddies in some way? 
And Van Damme's maybe teaching Batista. Batista's a bit old, actually, isn't he? But it could work. Did you st- I'd be up for it, yeah. <laughs> I'd, take, I'd take Big Dave. I, I oh. thought you were referencing that because uh, we made Carl got, got a retweet from Batista that he won't shut up about because he was pitching and being in um, Big Trouble in Little China. I think it was he was pitching that, uh, that Batista should star in a remake of. And I think Batista said it should be... I think he nominated Chris Pratt instead. Uh, Carl will dine off that tweet exchange for the rest of his life. He's not Kurt Russell. That film should never be remade. I've got, I have got. won't go into it now. But it's good. It's, it's the first film I ever chose to go to the cinema that I wasn't made to go to because it was like a kid's film. I got to watch it with my sister. It's fucking awesome. Don't remake it. Leave it alone. Please, God, leave it alone. <laughs> Throw go. that out there as well. That's your main lesson from our Bloodsport review. Um, don't from Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah, leave Big Trouble Little China alone. <laughs> Fucking hell. What has this podcast become? Uh, anything more else to say on that? Geez, they'll be a great, aren't they? I, I love that. They did a, some, yeah. I can't remember who it was. I'd love to give them credit, but someone was saying this year they've done a backyard show, they've done a Janela show. They've done that Harborside tribute show. They've done deathmatch shows, and here we are with Bloodsport. Like, show me another promotion with the range of GCW. Promotion of the year. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, new Japan, I think, have had a good year, mm. but New Japan have had a just New Japan year. Yes. The expectation in New Japan is sky high, but in terms of increase of their brand, mm. eyes on the brand, diversity, uh, range open-mindedness GCW have killed it Mm. I mean talk about rehabilitating an ex-con they've done a hell of a job with Nick Gage haven't they and they've (laughs) done it while not being woke and in an era where the woke wrestling fans try and dominate good work would would you wear a t-shirt Joe I know you're not a wrestling promotion t-shirt guy but I'd wear a GCW top I like that t-shirt it's a good one if I wore if I wore a wrestling promotion t-shirt I'd wear a GCW t-shirt yeah I'd go up with that yeah, to send them to us. <laughs> You're just outright asking for, uh, just for donations. Just fucking like asking at this point. As <laughs> a documentary, GCW t-shirts, the lot. Uh, definitely. I would ask people to buy my Xbox, but I sold it, so, you know. Oh, who bought it? Uh, one of my ex-students. Oh, Sounds dodgy. It wasn't. <laughs> he was on his way to his shift at BBC Radio Oxford. He popped round for a cup of tea, and we exchanged 180 notes. It was a worthy exchange. Uh, well, one thing I was going to mention as well is while while I was watching Bloodsport, we were flipping channels and watched. I did catch a little bit of Victory Road. Nothing to talk about though. Like, oh Gosh. my god, how the mighty have fallen! Like JP, even you wouldn't watch this. This was Impact in front of what looked like about fifty people. I, I wouldn't say it was any more than I think two hundred absolute max. But I was if it was a hundred, I wouldn't be surprised. It was shocking. <laughs> Big stands behind them, but nobody there. Uh, it was like poorly lit. Uh, Josh Matthews is doing the commentary f- clearly from his own bedroom because the 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 show in it over Twitch. Oh my god, was this bad? Like, like I was shocked. Like I know Impact aren't no are no longer even in the conversation for being the second biggest wrestling company in the world, but Jesus Christ, like it was so bad. Like the you, we mentioned Michael Elgin earlier. The main event of the show was Michael Elgin versus TJP. That's a main event of an impact show today. Like I, to be honest, I didn't see that one because we watched the main event of Bloodsport instead. Matty gave it four stars, so you know maybe, maybe it's great. Um, but yeah, the, from the show, I think I saw a Moose against Stefan Bonner, which made me feel like I was watching Bloodsport again. That was terrible. Uh, saw an angle with Brian Cage, a bit of Eddie Edwards. 
MVP was on there against Chavo Guerrero. That's impact in uh, in 2018. <gasps> yeah. I can't make head and tail of that roster. <laughs> I, wish I don't think anyone well, can. Really. It was one of those combinations. You know, they, they like they do these pay per views now, like the the yeah. ones that are like big temple events. They do do them in conjunction with other companies. It world class revolution wrestling or something like that were involved. What a! It was such a weird experience. You talk about recommending shows. Nobody should go out the way to see this. Although you know, Elgin <laughs> TJP potential four star match. It could be. I'll never see it. We can see four-star matches wherever. Look, I'd rather watch some of that All Japan again we were watching earlier. Like I said earlier, give me Gordy and Williams any day. I'd have that, the ghosts of those two coming and destroy some of these British wrestling geeks right now. Honestly, Spike Trevay getting downed with an Oklahoma slam and a backdrop driver from the lads. I'm well up for that. Definitely. Yeah. Tell and Steve. Yeah, tell and Steve indeed. <laughs> A-Impact could do work for their big TV launch. They're going on access soon, you know? People are going to get to see them again. Anything on People that, very, that new story? Yeah, they're very excited about that. I mean, I think Anthem himself I don't really have a great record, let's be honest. Kill do, you PCW could put, do you think PCW could put the Steiners versus Spike Trevay in a partner? <laughs> yeah. In a shoot. Flutter. Book it. I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the rude interruption. What are you going to say, JP? I've completely lost on that now. I've just got that much. Is that because you want to see Spike Trevay taking a Steiner screwdriver? Oh, I'd love I it. I think I'd just love to see the Steiners live, but yeah. I've seen it. Well up it was that. a sight. Oh, I've, yeah. I've smelt Scott Steiner's BO, lads. I've been there. I when didn't you... see Rick Steiner, but I saw Scott Steiner at the Raw Power Tour in 91. They might have been on that card in 93. Nah, were they there in 93? They were in WWE in 93. I was going to say, yeah, they weren't there at the when Sting won the title at Wembley Arena. To Vader. Yeah, 93 was their year, yeah, WWE lost... run. Uh, damn. Came in at like Rumble 93, didn't oh, they? You know what? The... the Beverly Brothers. Oh, fantastic match. I love that. I love, to, I love me some Beverly Brothers. Shaker Hill, Spike, what a move. You Did you not like them in, when they were Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos in AWA? I honestly never made the connection. <laughs> <laughs> you know when Mike Enos was doing jobs in late 90s WCW I I just didn't make the connection that was the bloke oh, from the Beverly Brothers shit was that him yeah I don't even know yeah oh okay wow living learning all over those Aptomags <laughs> in the late 80s they were when they went there and I was like they're not brothers they've been teaming in AWA I've I seen them in the twins. top 10 as a kid they were oh. They were in the top ten uh, like tag teams in Inside Wrestling or wherever it was where were Doom up there, Doom, you know, very much the housewife's choice. With the Steiners, number one. <laughs> Steiners, Doom, Miracle Violence. I had Miracle Violence. Think about the people we're talking about here. Pistols? And these days we got Spike Trevay. This is just nostalgia now. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, if you want to see the Steiners, that um, For Love of Wrestling kind of went to this year, they're announced for next year. I'm there. I'm there. Good lads. Goldberg as well. Yeah. Who? Goldberg. Oh, if we can get Bill in the hotel bar, I'm well up for that. <laughs> After last time, I'm just, yeah, all in on that. Oh, hell yeah. So there you go, that, that's, our, that's our report on impact on access. Um. <laughs> <laughs> JP could represent Matt Ridley say, said on bar. A, on a serious note with impact on, on, on access, I think, yeah, that was it. Um, one of the things that's interesting is obviously it's how they manage all the wrestling content they've got on there. What are they wanting access to be? 
it's not like new i mean they don't publicly announce their numbers because the new japan ones have always been estimated and i believe i mean they always say it goes up in double digit increases i think that was the last thing i heard but i'm not sure if he gets anywhere close to say three hundred thousand on a weekly basis so it's not like tna is is gonna kind of be surviving it's more what is this channel worth to anthem mm. i think that's much more the the kind of play on this and you know they've They've not necessarily had a had a had a great history. I'm not entirely confident in them. In in some ways, it feels like, you know, how do New Japan react with, about this? They've got a contract, and apparently the offices they've closed down for access is it Denver and Dallas. They're the ones that deal with the New Japan stuff. What are New Japan going to think? This is the ultimate power play. Jeff Jarrett's like sort of revenge that he's plotting from WWE. They're so livid about how they used a car that they've worked out this plan to get them kicked off US television in the long run, which I kind of wish it was that was the case. So it, it's I, it doesn't feel like it's going to end particularly well. New Japan get off there? Can they get on anywhere else? I mean, they're well supported by Access, but yeah, it's interesting to see where it goes. But I don't think this is going to be the saviour. Yeah. Uh, stage for, for TNA and still hasn't got the penetration they had with Spike and they fucked that up so needed to hire Vince Russo I'm looking forward to your impact book that you write one day JP I think you could document all this it'll be depressing and bleak <laughs> but it'll be Jarrett all over the shop you and Brian Alvarez should start doing a yeah. Im, like impact reviews together since we're now you know Wrestle Observer Hall of Fame ballot holders and all the rest of it <laughs> shout out to Will Cooling Yes, <laughs> well, very much shout out to Will Coley. Made it. Yeah, uh, that's it now. Giving up. Yeah, cheap shots just going to be in your DMs now, JP, with his uh, big daddy for Hall of Fame shout. Uh, it's coming. I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to hear the arguments. <laughs> but, and if there is that great big daddy match out on there, send it to me on YouTube. Fair enough. Well, we'll talk more about that uh, as it gets close to the time. But yeah, look forward to uh, putting a ballot in. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention before we, we kind of wrap up. Uh, I watched some Doody B Clash of the Champions. I assume you both did as well. Anyone? I Bueller? didn't know and I'd completely forgot it had <laughs> happened. didn't even mention still. it. Yeah. We don't know any results. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. Mo- I know two of the matches on the card. I'm I tell a lie. I know one match on the card. <laughs> because I'd been up late watching Bloodsport and uh, and a bit of it, Victory Road, uh, I couldn't sleep Sunday night. So yeah, I ended up getting out of bed and watching. I basically watched the main event, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. A lot of plunder. It was a Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, man. 3.5 on Grapple, I'd go. But uh, I did see people going for and above. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even... I was I was half, like, falling asleep, half kind of checking Twitter. I was in, like, that kind of frame of mind. And I was scrolling through, seeing people argue about whether Roman Reigns versus the Vintner was going to go on in the main event and how much of a travesty it would be. And I was sitting there thinking, how could you possibly care? Like, this is a WWE pay-per-view going on right now. We didn't even mention it on last week's podcast. Kofi Kingston fa- was facing Randy Orton. Sasha Banks had a match with Becky Lynch. Nakamura had a match with The Miz. I couldn't care less. Like, I, I am at the absolute, like, maybe this uh, this boom, new Wednesday Night War boom period and whatever they're planning on doing with 205 Live might uh, pique my interest, but I couldn't have been let... I, I literally put this on to try and get myself to fall asleep, and Roland Strowman mm. was all right, but... Yeah, it was uh, it was more like a, a sleep aid, This uh, the last couple of matches on this show that I did catch more than anything. We've been waxing lyrical about all of these times in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, and even when you guys were going back and catching up on a lot of this stuff as well. And that's stuff that rings in the memory. 
these shows and this product it is in one ear and out the other. You've mentioned some matches there, and I swear I've already forgotten what some of them are. <laughs> like, in the fact you mentioned it less than 20 seconds ago, there's just no permanence with it. No. And I was trying to think about what are the things that I don't like. And I have to say, it's just at a point where it's kind of everything. It's the presentation. It's the, the commentary. commentary. Yeah. is fucking unbearable. Absolutely unbearable. The matches feel like i don't know for none of those matches are interesting mm. they're not it's they've not, got the best roster in the world and they can't put an interesting card together it's incredible it really is it but he also feels incredibly behind the times where's daniel bryan he was doing the angle with uh they're setting up this bit there's a big few coming job luke harper came back harper and Rowan versus reigns and danielson that's where we're headed excited what yeah <laughs> yeah, Luke Harper apparently Meltzer what? went on record on Observer Radio on Saturday saying Luke Harper wasn't coming back to do the and then they put, and then he came back on this pay per view and Meltzer's convinced it was a conspiracy to uh, to make him wrong. Uh, odd one that. Fuck's sakes! He sounds like he's on one of his, yeah, his <laughs> Luke Harper, the new Joey from Friends, and his popularity over here could be, could Dave. be. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander had a five minute match. <laughs> Like that, that tells you everything. Like Heyman's trying to. It, Heyman always gets painted as the good guy, but a gen, I think I read he was uh, he was big on Cedric, and he was trying to make him. And then Cedric has a match with AJ Styles on pay per view, and Vince has AJ beat him in five minutes. I mean, I suppose Vince has changed in that AJ's is uh, is guy, and it's not like some big faceless muscle dude. But yeah, kind of shows that the, the I don't know what what he what they think of uh, Cedric Alexander, even when they give him a mini push, just shows you not to. Uh, it's not worth getting invested in this stuff, is it? We will talk about it in passing in the no. last five minutes of the podcast, but I don't think we've been in any danger of ever becoming a WWE for a few podcasts. Anything worth lads. watching? No. Uh, maybe Roland I- Strowman, but you've seen it. Nah, nah. How yeah. many matches were on this card? Like 11, 12, something stupid? 11, I think it was, yeah. They last, what, four and a half days? <laughs> yeah. There's better the things to do, bollocks. isn't there? Yeah, there is. There really is. Like Mindhunter, season one and two, available on Netflix. Cracking show. I will say, though, it was worth watching for me just to see Cedric Alexander in there, to see him go from the lows of uh, seeing him in the mm. Evoke nightclub in uh, in Preston, where I saw him <laughs> necking some birds uh, just outside the toilets, to seeing him on a WWE pay-per-view. What, what a story really? for that lad. Yeah, that's a sight. Hey, watch your language when you're talking about the ladies there, Ben. <laughs> I apologise, not very well for me. Yeah, um, come on, mate. <laughs> you know what sort of podcast this is? <laughs> uh, we're in enough trouble uh, from the first hour, never mind. Oh, no one makes it this far. It's a podcast today, hasn't it? It has, it really you know, has it been has. focused. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want That's to cover? Before we go, it's going to be a focus. One last thing wanted to mention, um, I did manage to catch, and, it, and I would recommend people go out of their way of watching it as well, was uh, Daniel Maccabay on his, well, let's face it, rather cursed tour of, of the UK, which had the, the cancelled bookings for him. But I did watch the match with him and Carlos Romo, mm. um, which I really enjoyed. And I think there's, you know, uh, the thing about watching Daniel Maccabay is he is fresh, different. It's just like a kind of a fresh face. He's not entirely there yet but he's got that sort of very defined technique I know James he did an interview with him didn't he he did that's going to be on post on Wednesday yeah yeah 
with that. So I look forward to hearing that as well. His stance when he goes in, I find it interesting. Like Romo is much more grappling based than I'd seen from him before. And that was, and that was really good. So it shows his improvement. It's really small crowd. You could hear, you could hear the Ogdens throughout as well. Um, but they looked like it was a fun match and they had a nice little bit afterwards where they were both stood next to each other talking about the match and how they immediately felt about it and about how they'd like to do it again, which I thought was a nice little touch. What mm. shirt's McAbey wearing in it? Oh, God. I want to say he was wearing... It was one of the MLS teams. I want to say Vancouver or someone like that. Okay. The white caps? No, no, that's the old it was like a black. Era. It was black, wasn't it? Like, or, or dark? It was. It was sponsored by whoever Bell are, which... Oh. I think might be some sort of Canadian energy company. I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah. Canadian listeners getting on this. Maybe I'm yeah. I'm, I'm wrong on this. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I think you missed an opportunity to, saying that, that you can't really baby face yourself no matter what British or what English uh, team you, shirt you wear, someone in the crowd's going to boo. Um, but yeah. I thought it, it clearly, I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Did you know? I thought it was okay. I, I just don't like Carlos Romo. Okay. I, think, I think he's just... I don't know. I don't see the hype on him. I see it on A-Kid, but Romo I'm not a fan of, and I don't think he really uh, kept up with Maccabee as far as the, the technical side of the match goes. Maybe I need to watch it again. Um, but I, I'd overall, but I liked the presentation of it. I liked it was in, like a nice, cool, like small, compact venue. I liked the production mm. of it. I love the way they've, you know, uh, Breed have uh, done the right thing by putting it on YouTube for free and trying to get some buzz out there and get people. People should definitely watch it. Uh, and I'm not saying it was a bad match. I just didn't, you know, it, well, I wasn't blown over by it. For me, it was just a, a solid technical match with yeah. some, with you know, nothing more. And it's more, you know, it's only notable for like how emotional Maccabee was coming out in the first instance like he looked genuinely yeah. like he was close to tears to work this essential social club in in Sheffield oh, that was that was kind of cool it says that what it meant to him to be over in the in the UK and he's someone who yeah we've talked about a couple of times on this show that you know he's maybe not the finished article yet but I do enjoy him and I enjoy that he offers something different he's someone who I'd like to see on like a blood sport or a tattooing and yep. all that type of show yeah yeah, and, and yeah. is he on the next Tetsujin? No, no, I don't think so. Is he going to be at? I he's going to be at Tag good. Festival, isn't he? Is yes. he going to be at Tag Festival? He is, he's yeah. doing Tetsujin's probably got um, natural shooter Chris Brooks in there again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's been announced. To be fair, I think they've they got a kid on the show. I think it's him and David Starr. I think got announced this week. Um, yeah, it's a lot of young shooters on there on Tetsujin this time. The card looks good. I'm excited for it. But no, um. um Maccabee is over for WXW, isn't he? He's doing ambition. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I did see that. Did yeah. you say Social Club in Sheffield as well? Yes. Was it that same one Scott Hall did that night with it? Because that, <laughs> that looked like a tasty venue there. I hope it was, because... like that. We need to ask Martin on this. <laughs> yeah. Martin, will be, Martin will be our, our man to correct us. But like, I'm going... Oh. That links me to... like I'm going to... Uh, for my sins, I'm going to go watch Ring of Honor in Bolton. And the venue that they're running is the what? same venue that I once once saw Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and X Pac do a do a Q and A uh, with the promoter ran off with all the money and I have to pay twice. Uh, and there'll probably be a quarter of the people there at the Ring of Honor show that were there at the that Nash Hall and X Pac yeah, doing their live talk. Good, that's what <laughs> they deserve. That shite promotion. <laughs> Matt Taven on top. No thanks. Uh, why are you going uh, Matty uh, that's all it is uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll report back on the podcast and, uh, and let you know uh, again yeah long long way away Joe from the uh, the days of you travelling up to Liverpool on a on a megabus to see Ring of Honor I can't see you travelling up to Bolton 
I can't see we doing a lot of travelling for British wrestling at all this year, mate. That's wow. all I'll say. And not Ring of Honor. And not Ring of Honor. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh, anything else before we go, or she'll be rough? If Nick Gage gets over it, I'll travel. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Somebody book Nick Gage. Somebody get us those uh, GCW t-shirts. Uh, anything else we want to plug or sell, JP? Uh, that Gaza documentary, one day <laughs> at a time. Like, just get in contact. Where is it? Where can I find it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. I would love to see that too. So, yeah, reach out to JP if you see it. JP on Twitter, at JPJP. Reach out to me, at Benson Richard E. Follow Grapple on Twitter, at Grapple App. Um, and again, and uh, download the app on Android uh, through the Google Play Store. Download it if you're an Apple user. You hear me say it every week. Grapple with no E. You yeah. all know where to search it. Download that. And there were a lot of shows this weekend, so you can throw in your ratings and disagree with us, if you like, uh, from the different shows from this weekend and, uh, and join the conversation there. But next week, I suppose, tune in for the, the Big Progress Burial. I think people will be into that. Are we gonna, <laughs> are we gonna, are we gonna review both shows? Is that the plan? Yes. Um, if I can get them in next, I've got a busy weekend next week. I'm a best best man of my mate's wedding next weekend, so oh right, I've got more important things going on than watching progress. Is all I'll say. So <laughs> depends when the show's out. If I can get them in, I'll get them in. If I can't, if I only get one in, I'll make it the Alley Pally show and. I'll get the cliff notes on a natural progression show from JP. Okay, just, just fast forward. Uh, well, maybe Benno, you'll get to see the Summer Sizzler VOD that from a show One that day. was out on uh, on the August thirtieth. <laughs> I repeat, August thirtieth. Jesus, yeah. Today we're the sixteenth of September. Just saying. Get your shit together, lads. Uh, but yeah, we'll yeah. be talking that. We'll talk all the news in wrestling, and yeah, maybe JP, you'll have seen the uh, the Triple A show by then. Uh, oh, I will. <laughs> but yeah, keep tuned to us on social media. We should be back Monday, but if it's Tuesday, I'll let everybody know. But yeah, that's it for us for another week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.